Warning, this episode of Nick and Manny's Infinite Podcast will discuss topics such as mental health and suicide. If you or a loved one are exhibiting concerning behavior, do not be afraid to contact professionals. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Nick and Manny's Infinite Podcast. We're back. It's been a little while. We've both been busy, but we're here. Nick, you're here as well. I'm here. What's up, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, a lot of stuff has been up in the oh, yeah. <laughs> two and a half weeks that we've been gone. Too many things have been up to discuss them all. Oh, a lot of stuff <laughs> has been up. This is going to be a long episode. We're uh-huh. going to try to hit as much as we can, but there is one major topic that we will be discussing. It's a film that came out this weekend. Uh-huh. And because of that, we have another special guest with us. Kat is back. Kat from our In the Heights episode is here. Kat, say hello. Hello, back by my popular demand. <laughs> Your popular we agreed demand with you. because we just like having you here. Aw, we did you. agree. Yeah, no, I, this was so much fun last time. So I was like, I was like, bring me back. <laughs> and we had a one episode gap. We did have a one episode gap. <laughs> like, it's no, been we... an episode. <laughs> yeah, it's only been one episode. <laughs> Which is weird. It felt like I was like, it's like, so when can I come back? <laughs> Immediately, turns out. Yeah, it feels like so long. Yeah. It's been a minute. It has, just because our output has slowed down. But, you know, life happens. Our output so. has indeed slowed down. Because if it weren't, then we would have had, like, three episodes mm-hmm. since uh, you were here. Yeah. But we only had one, and we brought you back because, you know, we wanted to talk about the big movie musical this weekend, which is Dear Evan Hansen. So we will be talking yes, about yes, that. Yes. We have a lot of opinions, some positive, mm-hmm. some negative. Mm-hmm. Some that we just want to, you know, discuss as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called group therapy. But yeah. It's called group therapy. <laughs> yeah, group therapy. Uh, we need to just talk about our stuff. Yeah. Okay. Just get everything out there. We're going to be, st- we're just going to start, we're going to start writing letters to each other that say, <laughs> Dear Nick and Manny and Kat, <laughs> today is going to be a good day and here's why. You know what? It's not a bad way to start. It's to start, like, regardless of what you think of the movie, it's not about to try, like, put your best foot forward and put yourself in that mindset. Of course. Yeah. And we, I at least try to do that, but yeah. we will talk about that when we get to the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we actually, we're actually going to start off with Kat's favorite segment, which is Nick, what you've been playing. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so we've been playing something together. Uh, the, to the three people that watched yeah. us on Twitch last weekend, we played the uh, Halo Infinite pre- What's it technically called? It's called the like open flighting it's or whatever. Flight. Yeah, a flight. Basically yeah, a, a beta. Flight. I don't know how it's different from a beta. But anyway, Manny and I played Halo Infinite for like four hours and we had a lot of fun. I like the game so far. My first impressions are pretty good. I think yours were the same, judging by our conversations the other night. Kat, what do you think about the Halo Infinite flight? I mean, thank God we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we can just finally get it out there, you know? I just like... I've been dying to get my hands on this for six years now. Mm. Yeah, it's been six mm. years since the last Halo game. I know you've been just as excited as I am. Yeah, I mean, wow, like about time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. So, Kat, what can you what, what can you tell us about like the gunplay about Halo Infinite? You know, it, Halo Five had kind of mixed gunplay, but you know, Halo Infinite, it's back. It's been six years. There was a major delay it was a year long so how do you feel about the gunplay now that it's been delayed and we're almost at release date you know there's just there's just so many words um and i'm at a loss like Mm -hmm. i think i think it's do words fail 
Yes, words fail. <laughs> Bravo. Well done. We need like a, a like a, we need like a little sound effect for like all the all the references we can make. <laughs> um but yeah, we I mean, yeah, words fail. Like guns are are a tricky thing, but also I get that with certain games like they're kind of a must. So, you know, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Manny, what happened was that cat got her hands on the commando in the game and it left her speechless because it was so good. The best weapon in the game already. I'm feeling it. You see, you've been a you've been very heavy on the commando. I'm still trying to get used to it. I'm still a needler person. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been my favorite gun for as long as I could remember. There was one rifle in Halo Four that I liked, but going back and playing it, I don't like it as much. But the needler has always been consistent. But uh, Kai, you've been you and Nick have both been taken to the commando. You know, it's this new heavy weapon. What, what can you tell us about it? You know, talk about the fire rate and the kickback on it. Oh, the kickback is intense. Um, you know, just sends you flying. Uh, <laughs> and the fire rate, like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that was possible. Mm-hmm. They did it. The mad lads, they did it. They made an automatic precision weapon. And well done, well done. I know. Yeah. It's an early contender for my favorite new weapon in the game. Mm, yeah, me too. Yeah. Nick loves to go commando. I love to it's go commando. It's thing in that game. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel yeah. We've all been there. It's okay. Yeah. We've all been there. You know, it happens. Okay, we can move on if you It want. happens sometimes. What? <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, I got in it Friday. I played a couple hours on there. Played it Saturday morning. And then I played it again Saturday night with Nick for the full four-hour open window that we had to play it and i have just been having a great time with it it's been nice to come back to halo after six years and really feel like okay this is something different but familiar and that's been something that i've been seeing a lot is people saying like this is updated it is modern and stuff but you can go from here back to halo 3 and you'll feel the same mechanics essentially so that's really cool to see just how close 343 has been sticking to what makes Halo good with uh, whether it's movement speed, the weapon balancing, all of it just feels really fine tuned and I'm excited for this. Yeah, it feels like I was just thinking about it as you were talking. It sort of feels like if they never made a Halo 4 and that 14 years later, this was our Halo 4 because the stuff that they added in 5, uh, like the, the different movement mechanics, the little the ground pound and the little uh, thruster pack, those are taken out, at least as of now they are. And you mostly just have sprint in terms of your new abilities or not new abilities, but in terms of your enhancements, I guess, is that you can sprint. And they added that, I guess they added and that. And ADS. Yes, and ADS. That was one thing that they kept from 5. But other than that, it's pretty much like it feels like what a Halo 4, if they never made any of the other games, would have been. In terms of like, it's not so far past what Halo was that it feels alienating or different, but it is an evolution on the classic formula. And I like the middle ground that it's riding right now. Now, we haven't played everything. We played three maps, uh, three different game modes, I think. Uh, there's obviously much more game to come, and we still need to get announcements on all is going to be included in the multiplayer. And I think this weekend, as of this recording, is when the uh, big team uh, flight is going to drop. So we might try that out and see how they're going to do with that, because that was a weakness of Halo 5. But yeah, like all in all, I'm, I'm excited right now at the prospect of the game. I'm just glad that I ha finally got my hands on it, because it was one of those things that had been delayed for so long that it started to not feel real. And now that I've actually played it, it actually does feel real. And it's going to be out in just a couple months. 
Yeah, it's December 8th when the full release comes. Multiplayer is going to be completely free. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there will only be Battle Pass and like a store and all that stuff. But they said your Battle Pass, you buy it once, you keep it forever. You can go back to it and work on that one. Or if you get a new one, you can work on that one as well. So I do like how they're doing that personally. In my opinion, it's a better way to do a battle pass than having it be, you know, limited time. Like, I paid yep. for the content. I should get it at some point. Mm-hmm. Personally, that's my opinion. But no, it's been good. I've liked all the maps. I've liked all the abilities. They haven't felt like, uh, was it Halo 4 that had all these abilities that sort of felt kind of out of place? Yeah. Um, four and a lot five. of them have felt really good. I've Four and five, yeah. I've liked the grapple hook. I've liked, you know, experimenting with that. I don't know if you've been seeing the clips on Twitter of the way that people are using the grappling hook to play capture the flag. I have not, it's but I can only imagine. Oh, it's fantastic. People are using the grappling hook to just sort of like get to an area, then get it, get the flag, then throw it across the map. And oh my God, it's fun. It's what Halo sort of thrives on, which is trying to get creative with different ways to achieve your weapons or your kills Uh and it's been fun all of it has felt pretty balanced in my opinion the plasma pistol still sucks (laughs) Uh, that's just my opinion it's always been bad it's always gonna be bad i don't know how that gun is still just bad but it is um but other than that i've liked the maps i know that you were kind of iffy on some of them but you did like wasn't bizarre, but there was one of them that we played that you did sort of start leaning towards. And they released another map. I think it's just called Forerunner, but don't count me on that. Um, But we do get to play Big Team Battle this week, which is what Halo... It's not what Halo is known for, but it's one of those quintessential modes that makes Halo fun. Mm -hmm. You know, getting on that big battlefield, the weapons, the vehicles, your banshees, your wraiths, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be fun to see how that's going to play out this weekend. Um, you should have gotten an email, by the way, today from Halo Waypoint that gave you access, that gave you a friend code to give to someone. So if you have a friend, I would give that to them. That <laughs> if way you have a friend. You can build more if I have a friend. So if you are playing the Halo beta, check that, see if you can give a code to a friend and that'll help out. But other than that, you know, I'm excited for more Halo. It's good. We haven't gotten a whole lot more of the campaign aspects of it but we still have a little bit more time it's a little bit concerning personally but i think if the campaign's as good as multiplayer has been feeling i think it's going to be really good i think it's going to be i don't know it's not going to be up there with like three or reach in my opinion but i think it could be up i think it could be a really strong halo yeah i'm cautiously optimistic the multiplayer is good from what we've done so far I sort of, you know, it's kind of concerning how little they've shown in the campaign, but I also, even if they did show stuff, I, w- I would have avoided it, so it doesn't feel any different to me than I would have approached the game otherwise. I kind of just want to go in as blind as I can for that first playthrough, and I'm going to do my best to make sure that I can keep doing that. Um, on the single player side of things, we should say, the multiplayer is free to play, the single player is not, but what you can do, Manny, do you want to tell the, the listeners about Xbox Game Pass? Yeah, you can get a Xbox Game Pass. It's $15 a month. You get Xbox Game Pass on your PC, your Xbox, your phone, wherever you can get it pretty much. And it'll pay for your Xbox Live. So if you pay $15 a month right now for Xbox Game Pass, you're getting access to that Halo Infinite campaign day one. You're getting access to Forza Horizon 5 day one. You get Psychonauts 2. I mean, you're getting all of these good AAA games for free with your Xbox Game Pass subscription. So come December 8th, boom. Here's another cool thing that you can do. You can go on Black Friday, get 
oh wait, they don't sell the cards anymore. Oh, they're getting like a year of Xbox Live. I don't think they sell yearly cards. I think they sell like three months. For Game Pass, but for Game Pass, I know way, they don't sell the annual ones. I know that, but I think for Xbox Live, they don't sell the yearly cards anymore. But okay. you can buy a couple months in advance. And if you're just trying out for Game Pass, I believe they offer it to you for a dollar. Mm-hmm. And that'll automatically go up until your Xbox Live subscription ends. Yep. So you could skamaz the whole thing. You mm-hmm. could buy a year for, I don't know, maybe like a hundred bucks or whatever. Yep. And your Game Pass Ultimate is already there for one, for a buck. So consider checking that out. Xbox Game Pass. They do good stuff. They just added Marvel's Avengers coming September 30th. My, <laughs> I don't know why I, I always end up bringing this game. Uh-huh. But September 30th, I think for being free to play, it it's perfectly fine in my opinion. But, you know, everyone has different opinions on games and that's perfectly cool. Uh, we're still not yet sponsored, but that was a damn good ad read you just did, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. We can clip. We can I, clip that I, out. Tag at Xbox P three. I think he is on Twitter. Phil Spencer. Yeah, Phil Spencer. Phil, Phil let's talk. Call us, man. Let's talk. We want to do. One. My DMs are open, Phil. But moving from Xbox, <laughs> we also had the Nintendo Direct that was this week. Sorry, Cat. Um, you can you can take a little break. Oh, I'm drinking my drink, and I <laughs> may or may not have browsed Instagram. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. I knew uh, what I was getting into. But we had... Yeah, let's talk about the Direct a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about this Direct real quickly, and then we'll start shifting into what we watched, which will lead us to the big discussion. Yep. Um, the Nintendo Direct, there was some interesting stuff shown. We got to see Bayonetta 3. We got to see my favorite announcement, which was... Oh, there was two of my favorite announcements. One of them was KOTOR coming to Switch. Mm-hmm. 15 bucks, November something. I think that's a great deal. I think KOTOR is a fantastic game, and I think putting it on Switch is really good leading up to the remaster that's coming out in the next couple of years so that's really good and then we also got the announcement of a 3d kirby game which yep. i am very excited for i'm also I can't very remember excited. if it is the first franchise that i played but kirby was one of those first franchises that i remember playing as a kid kirby was one that i've even to this day i've never really dabbled in i played like 10 minutes of one of the kirby games on the nes or snes app i don't remember which which one it was but that's that's all the Kirby I've played. Otherwise, it's just been Smash for him. That's my only exposure to Kirby. Mechanically, it doesn't look as solid as I might hope it would be. It is obviously, I think it's about six months away. I think they said spring 2022. I don't know if they have an exact date for it. Uh, mechanically, it looks a little limited, but also like they've got a lot of t- they got a lot of time before it comes out. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do because the music, the world, the exploration, it all seems. Like, it all seems extremely fun. I get reminded of Super Mario Odyssey uh, when I watch that footage. I've seen it a couple times now. And Odyssey just fills me with joy. And I hope this game does more of the same. Because it's been years and years that I've seen people begging for a 3D Kirby. And I hope once it's finally out, it doesn't disappoint anybody. Yeah, I'm very excited for Kirby to get this kind of big budget. We had, like, Epic Yarn and the Clay game, the, like, Play-Doh one. Um, but I'm excited to see what they do with the 3D Kirby. I think Kirby's one of the cutest characters. I think he's a well-beloved character, so I'm excited to see what they do with him. We did get to see Bayonetta 3, which for fans of that series, I've never played any of them, but for fans of that, I know that they've been waiting a long time for that, so that's really cool. Gaming-wise, we got a couple other announcements, just some little stuff. They announced an Animal Crossing Direct for October, which I'm interested in. They, they haven't updated uh, Animal Crossing in a while, 
and it looks like they're adding Brewster and the Roost, which is which is fun. The fact that they're doing a whole direct makes me think they're adding more content than uh, you would have thought they would at this point in the game's life. So I'm curious what they're going to add for that. Uh, the next Smash character is going to be unveiled, I think, as of this recording. It's next week sometime that the they're doing the presentation, and it'll be the last character for Smash Ultimate. So fingers crossed, I hope it's Master Chief. I'm going to immediately date this by getting that wrong. The other big announcement, I guess, was the announcement that they're bringing N64 games to Switch Online with a new uh, subscription tier, which they haven't announced the price for yet. I'm a little concerned about that. Um, but it's just funny to me that as soon as I bought an N64 and started collecting games for it, they immediately put the N64 app on Switch Online. It's just that's I knew that that's what they were going to do as soon as I finally bought one. And that's exactly what they did, because that's that's how life is. This is why I just try to wait and see when these are going to come out. But yeah, they are bringing 64 and Sega Genesis, correct? Or was that just the controller? Uh, no, they're bringing Genesis games. Over. Yeah, so. And they're selling controllers for each of them at 50 bucks a pop, which is something. 50 bucks a pop for those old controllers is, I don't know, I don't know about that. But Nick, wireless. Okay. <laughs> so I can't use them on my actual <laughs> N64 console. Great. Love it. Listen, Nintendo's going to keep getting away with it. Okay? They're gonna, Nintendo's going to Nintendo. Consumers keep letting them get away with it. If they Nintendo, can, they exactly. will. Nintendo knows yeah. that they can get away with it. Yeah, they didn't used to be this scummy. Exactly. <laughs> They've gotten scummier. And we're never getting a Nintendo sponsorship. Games Reggie, my week. man. Reggie, <laughs> you're, you're retired. You're on a beach somewhere. Reggie. Oh, okay. Hey, he's retired on a beach somewhere. He might stumble upon this. He's got that he's got that spare time. I think if we tweeted at Reggie, he'll probably end up seeing He it. might. If we give him a time code and say, <laughs> Hey Reggie, start at this specific time. He who knows? Not but ten seconds Reggie, prior. If you do end up listening to this. <laughs> Hey Reggie, is the, is the Switch Pro real? Can you, can you let us can you let us know? Can you fill us in? Can we get a scoop? Can we get the exclusive? Is the name <laughs> the Switch Pro LED? Pro LED. Please. Okay. I I'm wanted not, to be called the keep Switch Pro LED. I'm not going to let you. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> it's a good name, okay? <laughs> it's a name. But seriously, Reggie Fizeme, I love you. You were you did some good things at Nintendo. You did a lot of things in general. <laughs> Um, you were very community focused, and I do love that you were very open to being not made fun of, but you were in on a lot of the conversations that people were having about you. You were very fun for Nintendo, and I just want to say you made my childhood really awesome, and I just hope that you're doing well. I hope that you are doing what you want to be doing, and that's really all. Yeah, you helped me get through my college years, and you, you earned your retirement. I hope you're having fun playing Animal Crossing New Leaf on your Nintendo 3DS. Nintendo 3DS. Yeah. I think that's all the time he has now. Yeah. I think that was just, I think the last thing was the Mario movie, which uh, sparked a lot of conversations <laughs> online. Well, you know, when I play Mario, and I've played Mario across all the generations for, I guess, 36 years of games now, it's been on the NES, the Super Nintendo, the N64, the Wii, or the GameCube, the Wii, the Wii U, and now the Switch. I've heard a lot of Mario uh, voice acting over the years, mostly by Charles Martinet. You know, when I hear that voice, I just think I need the guy from Jurassic World. This this is who can really bring that character to life. And Vincent they did it. Oh, Omar C. <laughs> no, we need Andy from Parks and Rec. <laughs> we need uh, what's his name from Guardians of the Galaxy? Star Lord. Star King. 
We need the male lead of Passengers with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh God, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> we need the voice of. We need the voice of Emmett from the Lego movie. From the Lego movie, movie. TV, Mario. We need. Uh, hold on. Uh, We've run out. Look it up on. Let me look up on Letterboxd. The tomorrow. Here. The Tomorrow War. Yeah, I'm looking for his name. The Tomorrow War. Hold on. Oh, who cares? I need to know. We need the white cowboy from the Magnificent Seven. To oh be my the God! Voice of Mario. Which white cowboy? <laughs> Uh, it's there's three Touché. that I can remember. There's Ethan Hawke, th- Vincent D'Onofrio, and Chris Pratt. I think the rest of them are actually not white. Yeah, because the rest. Of, I feel like there might have been yeah, one black guy and one and one like Latino. Denzel. Or, oh, Denzel. Okay. And then yeah, I apologize. And then there's one Asian. Native. There's one Asian guy. One Latino. I want to say one Native oh, yeah. American. Well, okay. Don't tell me that the that the Latino was Cliff Curtis. I don't think no. it was Cliff Curtis. Okay, uh, Dan Forrester is his name in the Tomorrow War, by the way. Dan Forrester. Okay, we need Dan that's, Forrester. As that's Mario. a white name. That's a white name. If I <laughs> that's such one. a white name. That is a white name. Oh God. You know who else we need? We need one of the psychopaths from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia to be playing his brother <laughs> Luigi. <laughs> you know, of all the castings, that's not my least favorite. We need the guy from Pacific Rim to be playing. You know, Luigi. I don't, I don't know much about him, but I, I feel like he could. I feel like he'll do well potentially. I'm not as like meh about that casting. I actually do like Charlie Day as yeah. Luigi. I think that casting, Anya Taylor Joy as Princess Peach, oh. and Jack Black are actually three pieces of good casting. I love Anya. I love her so much. I just like Anya. She Anya? said she, no, from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> She said she said in an interview it's Anya like aneurysm. So that's how I say oh, okay. it. It sounded like you said Enya. Oh, okay. Because oh, it sounded Enya? like you no. said Yeah, it sounded like you said Enya. And I was like, Oracle Falls? The singer of May It Be from Return of the King. An Anya. No, I was laughing because my, my The singer of only time? I was laughing because my uh, comment the other day when I was like, what? And y'all are like, Well, you're clearly not on the video game page. <laughs> we talked about this like two days ago. Oh my god. Well, of course I'm not on the... Do you really think I'm on the video game I know. page? I thought it had stumbled into the movie night channel at some point, but I guess it hadn't. And I was like, oh my god. Because it is a movie. It is, in fact, a movie. If they were going to do it live action, Anya Taylor-Joy is not a bad choice for Peach. No. I mean, she's... I think that's actually one of the good bits of casting. She brings, even like, even with the movies she's done that aren't my favorite, she's... I feel like she brings, she definitely shows her talent in every role, I feel like. Even the ones that, like, aren't as complex. I'm still always like, but we love you, Anya. I've never seen her act in anything. What? Yeah. Buddy. I, I checked I checked her her own letterbox just to make sure. I didn't watch Queen's Gambit. I haven't seen oh. the Shyamalan movies. Um, the Vavitch, I still have not seen you the Vavitch. You didn't Split, that's right. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen Split or Glass. I didn't watch New Mutants. I didn't even know she was in New Mutants. You're not missing any um, New Mutants. I will see Last Night in Soho. She plays Colossus' sister. Good for her. Last Night in Soho looks really good. It got mid-reviews, and I'm very sad. I've, I'm still going to go see it, but now I'm kind of like, oh. Well, Edgar also is has... not, not someone I get particularly excited for. He's good, but I don't get like too hyped for him. I just think the trailer looked cool, and I and I love that she's singing. I love the actors in it, and it also has it has uh, Matt Smith, Doctor Who, and it has Jesse May Lee from Shadow and Bone. That liar! That liar! Oh, it's an old Collider Live joke. Oh, it's an old joke. <laughs> it's an Nick inside knows. joke between Manny and I. <laughs> I know the Doctor lies, <laughs> but I didn't think that was the joke. It, it's a long story. I don't want to bog you down with with Star Wars discussion from 2018. 
I'm, I'm gonna check well, this cast. Who else do we no. need to talk about? Oh yeah, uh, Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. <laughs> Keegan Michael Key is Toad. It's those two in particular that are that make this feel like a very basic Hollywood 2021 movie. Like in the worst ways, they're both fine, but they're also yeah. in everything. People will cast Seth Rogen in a role like that. I keep thinking of him as Pumbaa, as the the other example of. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking of that as the other example. Like they'll they'll just put him in an iconic role that's a kind of weird, funny character, and I assume that's what Donkey Kong will be because they have him in that role. Was it announced if it's going to be like traditional animation? It's if it's going to be okay, it's going to be animated by Illumination. Okay, I yeah, Illumination. still. So we're going to get some minions in there at oh, some point. God, <laughs> I still think that Cody's pitch was fantastic. I want to see that movie. Yeah. If mean, you don't know, that... if you don't, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to Amateur Hour Films and watch their Super Mario pitch. I always joke that my knowledge of video games doesn't really go past Mario Brothers, but even then, I was never like, "Oh my god, Mario Brothers!" It was just a thing that I was like, "Yeah, I can play that. I know how to play it." And so I wasn't like, "Oh my god, like this franchise." But watching their pitch, I was like, "I'd, I'd actually really enjoy this movie." Yeah, yeah, I liked that pitch. I guarantee that's not what this movie's going to be. No, it's not going to be. Not it. even gonna close. Be, it's going to be more generic. Now, I was, we were talking in the Discord the other day uh, about other characters they might put in the movie and what overexposed Hollywood stars might get cast. Mm-hmm. Now, if they do a Daisy, who do we think will be Daisy? Um, My thought went to Kristen Wiig because she's in everything. Mm-hmm. And it's a I voice actor, like... so she can play younger as a voice actor, and you wouldn't she could. know. I was going to say, it might, they might go, yeah. I mean, then again, like, some of the characters are like, yeah. Um, are you thinking, like, just, like, overexposed? Yeah, I said James Corden's going to be in the movie somewhere. I was about to say that. He, he's going to be Waluigi, and they're going to lean into the Waluigi memes. That's, that's my <laughs> fear. Oh, he's so going to, oh, God. Um... I think Daisy, they go with Haley Steinfeld. Ooh, okay. She's coming Maybe. off of she's coming off of Into the Spider Verse. She's being in the League of Legends animated TV show that's happening right so now. So they haven't announced they Daisy? Daisy. No, we don't know if Daisy's in the. I movie. mean, Haley's great. I love her. Um, I was gonna be like Gogado. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm sure they'll announce more about the movie, but they they announced most of the main Mario characters. They didn't announce. A Yoshi, if they're going to have Yoshi actually have a voice actor, and they didn't announce Daisy. Yoshi's going to be played by Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, watch it. I, okay, I I also, like like I said before, I don't know the games too well. Does Donkey Kong really speak? No, not at all. Okay, so they just hired Seth to be goofy, okay. Yeah, he Um, makes monkey noises. None of them really, none of them really speak. They go, oh. If you if you want animal noises, just get D. Bradley Bar- Baker. He did D. Like, Bradley Baker. Yeah. He did Perry the Platypus, and he did plenty of others. He's like known for being animal noises. He did all the animals and creatures in Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh yeah. He did every clone trooper in the Clone okay. Wars. He did every clone trooper in Clone Wars. I was about to say that. He did and the Great Mind in Halo Two for... and Three. And Perry the Platypus. He did all the aliens in Ben Ten. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look up his IMDb. I'm actually curious just to see the number of total credits he has on there. Oh my god, so many. Oh, he has so many credits. D. Bradley he's, Baker. He's a great voice actor in general. Yeah, he works. Hire him to be in more big budget things, folks. That's my thing too. It's like I'm not I'm not gonna try to rule a bunch of these people out before I actually like see what the movie is. Cause like maybe some of them are just happen to just be good for the role, but it's also like there's so many 
talented voice actors who aren't like Hollywood A-listers, but they're so good. And it's frustrating when they don't necessarily get to be in some of the more like bigger movies like like this potentially or something. It's like like um oh shoot, what's her name? I think it's Ashley Thompson. She's a great voice actor. Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson, there we go. Thank you. Yeah, and she like Yeah, she voiced Ellie in The Last of Us and oh. The Last of Us Two. She's part of Critical Role. She was Gretchen in Recess. Was she? Yeah, I looked it up. She was Gretchen. Yeah, but you have her, you have Ashley Birch, who won an award for her character in Horizon. And I mean she also played Tiny Tina, so I have a bias for, you know, Borderlands stuff. You have her, Matthew Mercer. There's so Tara, many. Hey, mm-hmm. Tara Strong. Tara Strong, yeah. Tara Strong She's doesn't. Every- I mean, like we. Everyone knows like her voice, like Timmy Turner or Raven. Raven. Like she has a lot of. Uh, oh, what's her name? Truffles from Chowder. I brought up. <laughs> did I bring up Chowder last week? Anyways, Chowder. <laughs> no, great you did show. Not. Uh, she plays a great character. And oh, she's my Bubbles God. Anyway, and sorry. Powerpuff Girls. I love Chowder. Uh, okay. but she lo- she played Bubbles in Powerpuff Girls. She has so many credits and stuff, yeah. and I. Th- she played Raven in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, oh, which was theatrically released, but she's another voice actor that that could have easily played these roles. I feel like she was in the movie version because she was already Raven on Teen Titans Go. Oh, but that doesn't stop. Oh, what was the no, movie I know. that came I out know. recently where they didn't cast the same actor that was literally playing them on something? Was it a movie? Oh, was it a Nick, current? Was it, it was a currently a, running TV show? It was an animated one. Oh, Scoob. When Scoob mm. when Scoob came out, everyone was so mad that Matthew Lillard wasn't playing Shaggy right. because he has been playing Shaggy for the last like 20 years mm-hmm. consistently in yeah. every medium he has been Shaggy. And they didn't cast him. They yeah. cast Will Forte instead. Yeah. And everyone was really mad about like, oh, well, this film just doesn't care. They They had a perfectly good Shaggy who yeah. has gotten the blessing from past Shaggy saying like, no, this is the guy. And, you know, it's one of those things that yeah. they need to start doing more of is hiring people that are in this profession. It's like stunt casting in Broadway. Like, well, yeah. just because they're a big name and can draw audiences doesn't mean that they're right for the role. For most of them, I don't like to judge before I because like, I mean, I'm not saying they can't still be great at it, but it's just one of those things where you get that kind of gross inkling that was kind of always just like planned to have big names as opposed to like just scouring auditions and deciding just so because like some of these people let's face it some of these people get cast like they don't audition anymore so it's just like oh we just think this this goofy this funny person could be like this big name could do it and it's like if they happen to be right for the role cool some of them are really big for a reason they're really talented but it's like there's also so many actors out there that it's just like not saying they need to or like it's necessarily their that person's goal to be like in the big name movies but it just feels like they're not really given the chance and that just frustrates me yeah it would be like casting ben platt and dear evan hansen (laughs) 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 but no but but in all seriousness it would be like casting cameron dallas and mean girls oh my god he didn't have the chops for it oh my god He, he was a mean girls right i'm not getting that wrong unfortunately yes so he was a mean girls couldn't sing no can barely act no if you call that acting Oh, no, it was bad. It was so bad. So so it would be like that, like in with films, like just because yeah. you 
have this name doesn't mean that you can provide what the role needs and we don't know what the role is we don't know how the mario movie is going to be written we don't know a Mm -hmm. plot we don't know any of that but we can take a guess now looking at the cast it'll be something close to the lego movie or something that's self-referential and is poking fun at what they're making and i mean like it's one of those things where it's not that i think chris pratt's a bad actor so like i loved him in parks and rec and i think that he's i think that in the past he's like i think that he's been great as as star lord um i think that he's had some roles that showed that he has chops it's just one of those things where like again it's just because they're in it kind of feel like they're in every big name thing just because of their name and if he's good in it cool i'm not i'm no longer sure of how i feel him as a person because some stuff that came out about him that we don't necessarily need to get into but I'm kind of like meh, Chris Pratt, but like it's again one of those things where you, like I said, just said like you you hear it and you're like, did they just choose you because you've been in all the big franchises lately? Like I don't know, just it's it's just potentially frustrating. That's what's most interesting to me about this is that they have to work with Nintendo on this to a certain degree. And like these announcements were made in the Nintendo presentation. This wasn't a press release by the studio or anything. I wonder if Ninto- how much say Nintendo had in the casting, because it yeah. really feels I saw a joke on Twitter that was like someone at Nintendo Googled actors and they just picked the first, <laughs> first eight pictures that popped up. And I'm like, it's not that. But I wonder if they had a say in that, because they might have just gone, OK, who are the people we see all the time in America? Uh, Chris Pratt, uh, Seth Rogen, yeah. Keegan-Michael Key, da, 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 who are in everything, whether it's a big role or a side character, right. but they're in everything. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that was a Nintendo thing. I know Illumination casts a lot of stars in most of their stuff anyway, but I'm curious about the rela- the relationship as far as that goes. Maybe they were worried that if it wasn't big names that the movie wouldn't do well. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it would have done well regardless because I like even though I'm not big into video games, I know that I know plenty of people who love Mario Kart enough to see a movie. So I don't like but from the company's standpoint and seeing how much of it can be a make it or break it based on box office maybe like i don't know i mean again like obviously we weren't part of that conversation so who knows but i just can't help but wonder if that was part of the thing of them being like well these names will whether people are there because they're big fans or because they want to see it crash and burn like it might bring in an audience so i don't know i don't think i don't want to say in every situation but i think most of the time with an animated movie that doesn't matter especially something like this which has a built-in audience like that sure like, it's not an animated movie, but the Sonic movie, I don't, like, Ben Schwartz isn't a big enough star that he was the person who brought people into the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that it was the Sonic movie brought them in, and maybe a little bit of Jim Carrey, yeah. but, like, that was it, and I don't think, I don't think anybody who wasn't going to see the Mario movie suddenly wants to see it because Chris Pratt or Seth Rogen's in it. I don't think that person exists. I will say I didn't, I wasn't even, like, I wasn't really aware of that movie until it was on DVD, but I digress. Again, it's not, it's not my community, so maybe I just wasn't looking. Cat Sonic the Hedgehog has musical superstar James Marsden from Enchanted. He does have a great like, voice. He has a great voice. No, yeah, Nick, you're you're entirely right uh, about those kinds of things. I'm just, I'm still gonna watch it. I'm still interested to see what it provides. I mean, maybe I'm even more interested now to see how it all turns out, hearing the casting and everything, but. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to say the least. With Nintendo, there's nothing that they do that isn't interesting. <laughs> do they say it'd be like next year? Yeah, this is holiday next year. I think it's okay. December 21st. I, figure, I figured this was a very early announcement or something. I figured this wasn't like, surprise, we made this yeah. it's coming out. And like, no. Yeah. No, it had been talked about, like, but I've, I've seen it being talked about for like five years now. And I'm 
was I, I had always assumed it would just be like very basic like this is the video game characters but they're just animated and they're on the big screen instead mm -hmm. of it instead of a, a cutscene in a game sure. i didn't realize they were actually going to characterize them all to this degree yeah yeah nintendo likes to announce these kinds of things early in advance like when nintendo world got announced that was a solid like five four years ago well theme parks always get announced crazy crazy far in advance like disney always does the same thing but disney announced it a year in advance because avengers campus was announced last year and it opened up this year galaxy's edge was i think two years i thought that was like three or four years it felt like galaxy's edge was farther was longer before i don't know well, some of that also might have been paused because of the world <laughs> well they did open that super nintendo world in japan like a few months ago i think in Japan, it is open. Yes, yeah. Japan is completely open, which we knew was going to come first. They said it's coming first to Japan, which makes sense. I mean, it's I don't want it's not the mascot of Japan. That's definitely not what it is. But it's I, in my opinion, the video game mascot of Japan. Probably, it's something yeah. that a lot of people, when they think of Japan, they think of oh Nintendo and yeah. oh Mario. So it makes perfect sense. I I understand that stuff, but it is you know announced very early. Yeah. I do have one one more important thing to say. I'm going to circle back to something we talked about. D. Bradley Baker. Right? <laughs> yeah. His total number of actor credits, according to IMDb, and keep in mind, one credit can be something like Bad Batch, where he's got 17 episodes. That's only one credit for him. Mm -hmm. So the total number of credits is 631 as an actor. Doesn't surprise me. And, and he is only 59 years old. And he's got, been in 631 different things. That dude works. D. Bradley Banker is going to be like Frank Welker or like um, who voices Winnie the Pooh and Tigger? Uh, Jim Cummings. Hold yeah. on. Jim I almost, Cummings. Let me, let me check his credits. Like one of those people. I almost, that I almost so said many the wrong. Of us like, oh. no, but doesn't get a whole lot of the credit. Yeah. Like, Jim, like, people don't know that Jeremy Irons didn't sing half of Be Prepared. That was the last half was Jim Cummings doing his mm -hmm. best impersonation Jeremy of Jeremy Irons yeah. singing Be Prepared. I wonder about like I know I wonder like Rob Paulson who is Yakko and Animaniacs and he's he was yeah he was Mark Chang in Fairly Odd Parents yeah Mark Chang was this alien from outer space <laughs> who would come down and hang out with Timmy sometimes oh yeah I remember I was a little worried because of the name that I mean shows have still been doing that but I was like ooh no 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 no, no. he was in yeah I mean, yeah, like one of your favorite one of your favorite film franchises, Harry Potter, has a character called Cho Chang. So yeah, it's like been even a thing. even with one of our favorites, Avatar. It's like, um, I mean, I love Mae Whitman, but maybe we shouldn't continue having white people play diverse roles. Which the live action is trying to not do. So you know, it is. It's, it's one of those things where, like, I kind of take it as like don't condone it now but i also understand something of the past like because i mean may whitman was also i love jungle book 2 and she plays shanti and like Haley joe osmond plays mowgli and i'm like oh no <laughs> she's also in one of my favorite movies percy being a wallflower which we will talk mm -hmm. about today she's in she's in scott pilgrim versus she's, the world may whitman is she's the daughter in independence day isn't she the first one sure bill pullman's daughter in the first independence I day i think so i think hold on I think so. Another thing to look up. She's also in Good Girls, which stars Retta and Matthew Lillard, bringing it back oh, to yeah, Matthew Good Lillard. Girls. He was in Good Girls, lasted, I believe, four seasons and got mm -hmm. canceled by NBC, even though it was having great ratings. She was also in Arrested Development. She played Anne. I don't even really like Arrested Development the time that I watched it. I think I have to go back and rewatch it because there are things that I sometimes think about that was funny. 
May Whitman has been working a long time. She since at least 1996 when she was in Independence Day. So that's what, 25 years? That, that was 25 years ago. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jeez. She was an animated Tinkerbell. I think she was Tink back when they decided Tink should talk. <laughs> uh. She was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Raven Simone was another fairy. Listen, go back and watch the Tinkerbell films. There's like eight of them. You have Do like Secret of the Wings. You have like the Pirate Fairy. You got like the the Pixie Hollow Games, which was Am this short that Disney much? Channel was running. Go back and watch them. They're on Disney Plus. <laughs> I feel like Nick hey, just been, lost I mean, a lot like, of respect for me. You know, I was gonna say I I was gonna say I just watched the Arrested Cats, but I think that that's high. aside from things that have not aged well and no longer condoned. I feel like that's aged better, or I feel like that's better quality than Tinkerbell movies. I have nothing to say on this subject. <laughs> Nick has nothing to say on this subject. But I think that's <laughs> it for video game talk. Darn. I think I think it. I think we're done with video game talk. Uh, we're uh, only for I guess it turned into movie talk about a half hour in or so. <laughs> Collider movie talk. We're back, baby. Yeah. All right, Manny, buy or sell the new licorice pizza trailer? Buy. I think it looks really buy. Good. I'm a hard buy on that trailer. I know. I saw your Twitter. You were you were saying a lot of things about that trailer. Yeah, I've been getting more and more into PTA, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, and uh, watch Boogie Nights this year, which I gave a full five stars on the first watch, which I never give to anything. Uh, Phantom Thread, it gets better every time I see it. Uh, I still have some gaps with him, but I'm a bigger and bigger fan. This looks like a great coming-of-age movie, and I'm very excited. I need to be like convinced to watch fan threads i worked at a movie theater when that came out and it just looked kind of like you want you want to say boring that's the word you want to say isn't it it just it looked like a typical like oh the like the the older artist falls in love with his muse and i was just like well it's not typical I, I would not i would not call that movie typical the the premise might seem it but it's different once you actually get into it okay. i would recommend it i'll 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 look into okay. it um but i was gonna say the star of that movie well there's actually a few people credited above him i think i think heim heim is Alana Haim yeah, is Yeah, Alana Haim, who I'd never heard of until this trailer. Apparently, she's I've a big deal. I've listened to some of their music because she's. It's her and her two other sisters that have a band called Haim, and so they oh. do music together. And I've listened to a couple of their of their songs before, but I like I saw that yeah. name and I was like Haim, as in Haim Haim, and yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm like I have no idea who this is. I only know them because of Taylor Swift. Oh of my course. goodness! Which we will be doing a Taylor Naturally. Swift review hey, no, when that hey, album comes hey. out. November. Hey, Nobody No Crime is a fantastic song. Just November is when Kat wants to be back on the show, is what she's saying. Oh, we've, we've already, I'm already playing. <laughs> I might it. take the week off that week. Yeah, I think I'm going to get a couple okay. other people to be on that show to replace you <laughs> to talk about the Taylor Swift album. <laughs> he'll, he'll just like, that's fine. Manny will just like monitor and we'll like, he'll like toss out the questions and then we'll all just like. He'll send it to me to edit and I'm like, bro, I wasn't even on this show. You want me to edit it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He won't be like, be like, no, Nick won't understand what's gold and what's not. <laughs> like he'll like, he'll cut something. I'll be like, how could you? Yeah, I might, I might miss a good inside joke that I would cut out without having a second hesitation because just, just, just because yeah. I wouldn't understand it. But you were saying about the cast, you, don't you want know, that. legacy actors. I guess we could say. Yes. Yeah, uh, I did want to say first, Bradley Cooper is in it as uh, famous movie producer John Peters, who, among other things, produced or. Er, would have produced the uh, Superman Lives movie with Nicolas Cage in the 90s. Bradley Cooper's playing him in the movie. Uh, Benny Safdie's in the movie. Uh, Tom Waits is in the movie. 
there's a couple other people, but the lead of the movie is, I believe, Cooper Hoffman is his name, and he's the son of the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, which is funny that we talk about this this week, because this week, as of recording on Friday, The Many Saints of Newark, the Sopranos prequel comes out, and that has uh, James Gandolfini's son, whose name I don't remember, I don't remember his first name right now, but I want to say it's Michael say Gandolfini, it's Michael. That, that's what it is. Yeah, that's Michael Gandolfini. Was the Grish pizza based on a true story? It doesn't say anything about it, but it feels like it's like I don't I don't know if it's based on a true story. My assumption based on watching it is that it's like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where it's got some real people in it, but it's it's a fictionalized story set within a certain era. Yeah, that's what that's what I was gonna say. I'm like, I think they'll have some of the actual like producers or some like stars. They mention uh okay. yeah. uh, what's her name? Barbara Streisand. They do mention Barbara Streisand yeah. in there. So, so, so it is taking place Queen. in that time era, in that world with these people. But the story, I think, is fictionalized to just yeah. The actual the the two main characters, their their love story, I, I don't think is a true story. I would guess not. Okay. Uh, I do think I think I saw that Tom Waits is playing John Huston, the director in that movie, which I find interesting. Because he's he's someone who I've seen enough of him acting in movies that he's got an iconic voice and an iconic iconic cadence, and I wonder how much screen time he's going to get because that might that might make or break those scenes for him because I am I actually have some familiarity with him. Yeah, what I was going to bring up is, did you get like an American version of Sing Street vibe from this trailer? I mean, kind of just from the like, like there was is it like, be like no, 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 it's not a musical. It's not like about like oh, oh forming a no. band or anything like that. You but it's about excited. young people in the entertainment industry and having like a love for that and sort of balancing that relationship. In the sense that it's like it's clearly a coming of age movie. It's sort of a high school love story where, or similar to Sing Street, in that the kids in high school and the girls are a little older than him, and they do make note of that. Uh, in that sense, I kind of see the Sing Street parallels, um, but without I don't know what the rest of the movie is about, so I don't no, know for how. sure. Yeah, just going off of that trailer and seeing that main relationship between the two of them, I was like, oh, okay, like this is kind of like Sing. Not, not it's not kind of like Sing Street, but I was like, oh, I could see some of Sing Street in here. By the way, if you haven't seen Sing Street, go watch like the broad go watch strokes. Sing Street. Don't yes, watch the Broadway watch show. Street. The Broadway show ruined what the movie did. Um, but go watch Sing There's Street. A Broadway it's show. There is a Broadway Wait, show. This is the f- this is the first time I haven't. Ma- I, well, maybe I was aware of the Broadway show. Um, yeah, the see. Broadway show came out, and I listened to some of the songs, and I was like, Ugh. "Was it Broadway or was it?" Maybe it wasn't. Was Broadway, it Broadway or did, was it West they End? They did do a musical stage version of Sing Street that did come out. Huh. Okay. A lot of musical talk this this week. Oh, we also had the Tonys. That also uh-huh. happened. I watched some of those. But um, if you had any other thoughts on Licorice Pizza, sorry, I cut you off. No, I, I think I covered it all. Uh, this trailer that excited me, it seems like a less serious PTA movie, uh, sort of like some of his earlier stuff, uh, like Boogie Nights, where it was fun a lot of the way, then it got serious when it needed to. But there was overall positive feelings, at least in my end, from, from Boogie Nights. I feel like that's going to be the same here. It looks very cute, looks very fun, looks incredibly well made. I'm pumped for it. I think that's out this holiday sometime. I don't know the exact release date, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, Something that I know that Kat and I watched was Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is back. It's a, a, yes. a HBO Max show now because it was originally DC Universe. Uh, Doom Patrol follows, you know, a team of metahumans and their 
wacky antics and stuff but doom patrol's back i saw the first two and a half episodes i fell asleep watching the dead boys detective agency last night but Ooh, okay i have been enjoying it i'm glad that it's back last year we ended on a cliffhanger because of covid so we started off season three with yeah. the ending of season two which is something that i don't really like happening but you know, COVID happened, but when season three actually started, I was very excited to see where they were going with the direction of everyone being broken, which has kind of been Doom Patrol's thing in general, is everyone being broken, but yeah. I like that they're focusing a lot on Cyborg and sort of saying like, oh, well, mm -hmm. he was essentially made to be a superhero after his mom died, after he had the accident, after all these things, and he's sort of trying to deal with being a person instead of being a figure and so mm -hmm. that's been something that i've been really enjoying i will say real quick as far as the way it ended because of the pandemic i i feel like the way they had it written it worked as a finale like because some of the cliffhangers they had like yeah it's a bummer that they had to rearrange it to be the the premiere but i did i did feel like it worked okay as a finale, like some of the some of the like little surprises at the very end, it, it felt like it left too much an answer. It felt like it was just enough to be like a bit of a cliffhanger. And then I found out there was pandemic, and I was like, oh, okay. But I did at least like appreciate that. Did it didn't feel like too weird, at least in my opinion, for it to end there for the time being. But and you're right, that is your opinion. Because in my opinion, I felt I I could tell that there was another <laughs> episode that needed to be done that they couldn't okay. get done. Well. But I mean, I mostly, I mostly attached to Jane and the kind of the thing I did at the very end of last season with Jane, like in the little reveal, and I was like, oh my god! So that kind of felt like a, a good place to just be like, okay, bye. <laughs> Do we want to keep what we have watched of it like vague, so we don't spoil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can keep or, it vague. Are you okay um, with spoiling? So we'll keep okay. it vague because the season isn't completely out. They're doing weekly releases, but we got the first three episodes of season mm -hmm. three. Each episode is coming out, I believe, on Thursday. First episode was a finale to season two. The second episode was introducing the main plot for season three, and then uh, episode three was backing off of that i don't want to say too much after that but i am interested to see where they go with a lot of the characters you mentioned jane and it was last season was jane season i feel like each season is a different person's season i think season one was very much cliff and negative man uh season i think season two was a good season for jane and then it looks like season three is going to be a good rita and cyborg season so i'm excited to see what they do with all of those characters the the screen time that's given to the guest stars it feels like it might be an attempt to do a backdoor pilot which i wouldn't hate i don't know if i'm committed to them but like i did like the the vibe they gave off so i'm like and i did look into it and i was like i was like, I was like okay clearly these are people that have like their own comics and such but i thought that was kind of cool also the one thing that I feel like I really enjoyed that stuck with me is, um, without spoiling, um, there is this scene near the end of episode two that starts with this kind of like shared moment between Jane and Kay and then kind of becomes like a group moment. And I just, I just really liked how that went. I, I'm hoping you are picking up. With I felt it was a little like weird, but then I was like, oh, okay, I know what they're doing now. But I know, I know what you're seeing you're mm -hmm. talking about it towards the end of the episode yeah. but yeah yeah 
and the song the song at first like it was one of those things where at first i hear the song and i'm like this one again but then i'm like thinking about it i'm like oh that makes yeah, sense yeah it makes sense i don't know i'm also i'm also kind of like a sucker for like any of those even even if there's been like complete and utter chaos like if it's with if it's without being too terribly cheesy if it's like a nice moment of camaraderie and like regardless of of all our differences like we're stuck in this mess together so like any kind of thing like that where it's just a moment of like let's just be together i i usually really appreciate those and it's nice for jane to have a scene where she's not in complete turmoil or like mad at everybody yeah no it was it was a good scene <laughs> i i genuinely like doom patrol mm-hmm. because of those reasons it gets goofy but there's so many like topics that they address that are serious yeah. and in my opinion they right. do a good job like in season mm-hmm. one you have danny street yeah and sort of the story about just being yourself and not being afraid and having to do yeah. with the lgbt community and sort of just creating safe places and that idea of community and family and all that other stuff so the there are a lot of good topics that i think that they handle well and i like the way that they are able to match the goofy with the serious in an actually yeah good way i feel like it helps that the show makes it where it's like you can tell they're very very aware of when they're being ridiculous it's not like they're trying to be like no this is serious business like if it's being if it's being like off the wall bonkers like you can like they're like yep this is this is fucking crazy right now but like we know it and then the one other thing i appreciate is um i read an article by somebody who i believe the person was has dissociative identity disorder and they were saying that um the episode in season season two probably would be the episode because that's where they talk a lot about jane and her whenever cliff whenever cliff goes to the underground that um well that's technically season one yeah oh that is season one that's right because after yeah 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 but they said that it was like the best i again i'm paraphrasing i read this like a long time ago so i don't want to be like misquoting this person but they basically were very they seemed like they were very appreciative of the representation because a lot of times with things like like did and just any kind of thing like that where it's a tricky whether it's like disorder or differently abled or however you however it's properly labeled it seems like one of those things where it's not often portrayed in the best light or or with the people who who have that like condition in mind so i thought it was really cool that that while enjoying this character because I, I think like jane's my favorite and i love and oh my gosh Dan, diane diana diane diane is so talented and she can just at the she can just like in in one second just completely change herself and it makes me feel better knowing that that while she's portraying this character that's supposed to be kind of all over the place for for a reason it it makes me feel better knowing that it feels like someone from that community like approves of the of the representation so i thought that was cool yeah no it's a good show i recommend it to whoever wants to watch it it's currently on hbo max so go catch up and watch it it's good i it's definitely my favorite superhero media right now i mean i don't think that's a hard bar to clear personally Mm. but uh (laughs) it's good you don't like what if what if is fine i haven't seen the last episode it was fine (laughs) Uh, I've heard Doom Patrol is great, but you know what I think would make it better what? is if they had the main character just say "fuck Batman." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Like the first episode of Titans. <laughs> yeah, they do say that a lot yeah. in Doom Patrol. 
they do say the f word i was gonna say that's 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 one of the things that i was like like. okay okay come on we don't need to say it this much (laughs) it's it's that thing of like because you can you do when Jane says it, it's fine, but Cliff says it like every sentence of him just saying. Okay, but it's kind of hilarious when he's like, when he's like, fuck, what? What's happening? Like- <laughs> it needs to be, but the, this week has taught me that there is a purpose to every F word. Do they have any F-bombs as egregious as uh, the one that Ty Sheridan gets in Dark Phoenix? I mean, Cliff says it like every sentence, so I, it's there. Mm, but okay. yeah, no, I do. He uses it like a comma, as my family would say. Yes, he does use it like a comma. I still think it's kind of hilarious when he uses it, because he, he's, he's either angry for like kind of good reason, or he's just like... I feel like sometimes he kind of feels like the voice of the audience when you're just like... He, when like things are just completely like preposterous and he's just like what the fuck is happening <laughs> like i just i don't know just the way he yeah, does like it when the ghosts were having sex in season two uh, which which oh, yeah. they call back to i'm not gonna a to- say a totally normal statement to make about a tv yeah show. i'm not gonna say exactly oh, how but saying. they do call saying. back yeah. to that from season yeah. two and that's yeah. that was a funny there was even a moment where like he was um still adjusting to to jane's like transitions mm-hmm. and suddenly he's like who are you and he was just like yeah. and he's just like I don't the, know. but it needs to be well placed is my point like when it works it does work but yeah. i think that they just use it a lot I feel like the, I will say, like you said before, I feel like the show does a good job of acknowledging the goofiness and also like having moments where it's like this. This is real. Also, without spoiling anything, I'm very excited about. I mean, they're they're on the posters and everything, so this is not like saying they're in the show is not a spoiler. I won't say who because at this point, I'm not really sure who they play. But I love her mostly from Doctor Who, and she was. I mean, she was good on Sabrina, but um, Michelle Gomez is in this season, yes, she is. and she's fantastic. So there's. A lot to look forward to. I watched another thing this week, and then Nick, you can get into the films that you've been watching this week. Um, I rewatched Edge of Seventeen with Haley Steinfeld, Haley Lou Richardson, mm. Woody Harrelson. That's right. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great film. It's one of my favorite coming of age films. It just understands that when you're in high school, everything just feels like the end of the world, and you overreact to everything Mm -hmm. until you get put in your place and i just Mm -hmm. like how that film explores that so well i think it handles a lot of the perceived stress that you have as a teenager and sort of the way that you might act to other people because of your situation growing up and so i just i really love the film i think Haley steinfeld does Mm -hmm. a great job in the film i think woody harrelson was Mm -hmm. the perfect teacher i've had those teachers before where we'll just say like the most outrageous mm-hmm. things you talk about her being like put in her place it's like it's like one of those things where like you have moments when you sympathize with her and if there's moments where you think where you're like oh my god she's being dramatic because you're past teenage years you have him being like okay you're done yeah. <laughs> it, it's she's she's an unlikable character but she's played so well that you do just want to see her succeed but you have but yeah, you have those moments where it's like you you just really feel for her and like you see you see that she's like trying to figure herself out and like it's one of those things where you feel for a character like after after like it kind of reminds me of reminds me of like in the end of the fucking world where it's like um the lead in that oh my god why am i blanking i'm forgetting her name too but i know what you're talking don't worry i'm back on imdb that's my job tonight (laughs) yeah go back on imdb her her real name is her real name is jessica her real name is jessica um i know it's alex and jessica barton allison no yeah but what's her character's name Alyssa is the character i know 
Yes. Alyssa. There we go. Okay. But like there's that moment where like initially you just kind of see her as like, oh, she's intense. And then like like a scene later, she's like, sometimes I feel like I ruin everything. So you kind of see like, and then Haley Steinfeld has some, has like some speech in the movie too that you like feel for her because like, after she's doing things where you're like, that's not the best. And then you see that she's just like trying to figure out like why she reacts to things the way she does and, and like whether or not she likes herself. And it's just very, very real things. And so... And I think it's nice that it's not necessarily the most like immediately in love with her character because those kind of movies obviously are honestly are like a little bit like uh not realistic. Yeah. And the movie's not a dramatic coming of age film either. It's a fun one that has mm-hmm. serious scenes in it. It's got There's, moments. There are moments of it yeah. of mm-hmm. it being serious, dealing with death or family relationships or friendship relationships and how you navigate all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a great coming-of-age film that I think will stand the test of time of just being so genuine and real and being like, oh, yeah, this is what high school was like. Kind of chaotic, kind of funny, kind of sad sometimes. But at the end of the day, you're just Mm -hmm. trying to find out how you want to be, who you want to be. And I think that film does it great. Nick, your thoughts? Uh, I've seen it once. I watched it a few years ago. I loved it when I saw it. I thought she was great. I think she's great in pretty much anything I've ever seen her in. Um, all the way back to True Grit. I've I've kind of forgotten a lot of that movie. I do. I, it's on my my wish list of uh, movies I need to get on Blu-ray, and I want to watch it again once I do that. Uh, but I remember her her chemistry with Woody Harrelson was great. I dug the serious moments, and like you were saying, she's not always likable. But I think it's fine if your protagonist starts off as unlikable because as long as they grow throughout the movie, which is kind of the point of a coming of age movie, is that they grow, then it'll work out in the end. And I think it works out in this case. Mm-hmm. Maybe, just to hint a little later, maybe it works out a little better than the uh, coming of age for okay. a character later. And, and oh, hold on, a character, hold on. Like, come, come a character in... who becomes more likable throughout the course of the movie. Going off of what you're saying, what Nadine, the character that Haley Steinfeld does, why she is so unlikable is not because she's malicious to anyone or anything like that. She's just an overdramatic teenager that yeah. is mm-hmm. that does deal with serious things about losing her father and the and the way that the family was broken yeah. because of that and sort of her emotions through that that she never got to really go through. And she does take it out yeah. on other people, but I don't think that she has the intent of ruining people's lives or or i'm not hold on cat i'm not saying that the other character does i'm just saying that like she isn't intentional no no this is this isn't about that this is i was just gonna say i think it also helps that because the because Haley has such good comedic timing that even initially if you're like she's not my favorite because she's so funny Mm -hmm. in moments in moments where she's not necessarily like posing opinions she's just talking about life or she like or if she is being dramatic and like i just remember like there's a moment where she is like saying like if i were to die this way and then she just kind of like pretends to be like a, like a dead body or something yeah. like that and it's just because her, her comedic timing is so good that it helps and i also say i again I've, i think i've only seen the movie once i don't remember it too well but i feel like if i remember it correctly i kind of appreciate that yeah she obviously goes through some heavy stuff especially as a teenager i mean it's heavy stuff for anybody but I kind of appreciate that it didn't feel like they had to have some big, like, third act huge conflict. I feel like it was just, like, the trials and tribulations of being a teenager, and then she just kind of works through them however she can. And I kind of appreciate that it it didn't make it some, like, huge, like, 
maybe huge for her, but I kind of appreciate that it felt like in the grand scheme, it just felt like normal teenage drama as opposed to some like big like grandiose scale thing if that makes sense i appreciate that it was just like oh you know teenagers yeah it was i mean the the third act was a sibling fight that we that if you have siblings i mean you've been through those before i've been through them with my brother and Uh, sister i mean that's that's what happens and i do like how all the characters do learn from each other and grow from each other there's one scene where it's at the very end so i'm spoiling it but Haley Steinfeld goes to a film festival <laughs> for uh, this kid who she was like friends with, and he likes oh, her, yeah. and there was kind of a oh, thing that, there. I forgot about that. I forgot. <laughs> Sorry, what, Nick? I thought that was in another movie for some reason. No, 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 no. That, that's in this <laughs> one. She goes to a film festival, okay. a student film festival. I remember festival. it now. Right. Um, and because her and the mother have had such a long, complicated, oftentimes just toxic relationship with each other, when the mom doesn't see that she's in her room, she wants to just start yelling at her or throwing things or saying, like, you get her, come back here and all this stuff. But uh, Haley Steinfeld's character just writes, I'm safe. And her mom just goes through all these things. of like, well, I'm going to say Aww. this, I'm going to say that. And then she just writes, okay. And that's one of those things of, like, it's just so simple, but learning... <laughs> to trust Mm -hmm. each other and being like all right she's giving something to me i can give this back to her and just say okay and i just really like that personally it's it's a great film it's light-hearted for the most part um there is for for fair warning you know we're giving a lot of content warnings for this episode there is um sexual i don't want to say abuse but there is something that happens without consent so fair warning for that that does happen in the film um but for the most part it's handled it's well. at least sexual harassment sexual harassment sure yeah um yeah not yeah. abuse but sexual i will harassment. say one thing for me is one thing for me is that i think i want to see it again at some point because it's been a long time and i feel like my the one downside and it's not it's not gonna make the movie bad for me but the one downside is a certain actor in it that now makes me feel disgusting because he turned out to be an awful person so i'm not looking forward to seeing him in the movie but so also like if if trigger warning like if you if you you don't need to look into it if you don't want to but like for anybody who watches it if you know what he's done just like heads up there's a there's an actor in that movie who did some very bad things so i wish i wish that he wasn't in it so i could watch it without thinking about that but it does it does suck that when i'm watching this movie that's otherwise fantastic that i have to see his face but yep that's happened to me with baby driver i i have the same issue but uh oh god yeah but that was edge of 17 two yeah I oh cast, that's a double dose the whole cast mm-hmm. of baby driver every single one of you them. leave lily james out of this she's lily a james, goddess well Okay. Well, no. She L- was Lily- in yesterday, so that's almost as bad. L- Lily James was fine. There was just that there was just does not compare supposed relationship, but for the most part, Lily James is fine, and John Bernthal is the only other person in that movie that hasn't been accused of something. Everyone else, yeah, been accused of something at one point or another. Oh, I all, I only knew about the two. I didn't realize that um because there's the like the other lady in the film. I I mean I don't really know her, but I yeah. I didn't know if she's been. She gets accusations. Eh, she has my proof of you know darkening skin and portraying characters in certain ways. So there's proof oh, of that. Oh God. Um, yeah. John Ham has. Jesus John Ham has college frat boy hazing, which you could you know make that decision for yourself if that's just 
college life yeah. and the time that he was in college or whether or not, you know, that still holds up. That's up to you to make that decision. Jamie Foxx, I believe, also has something mm-hmm. weird, but I haven't looked too much into that I one. think so. I think it was something older. Something older. Yes, it's not anything recent. That got brought up again. None of the only I forgot two... half these people were in the movie. I haven't, I haven't watched it Yeah, I'm trying years. to remember all the people in it, and I struggle. Yeah. And so, I'm like, I know Lily James. I remember those two. The male lead had something, you know, recent and current. So that is, mm-hmm. that still, mm-hmm. I don't want to say still holds up because anything that they did still holds up. But that's still fresh and current. And it'll probably get brought up a lot in the next few months. Yep. And then the older male lead also, you know, he went through what he did. And he tries to make a comeback every Christmas. You know, you know. He'll Um, be here on Christmas Eve. (laughs) He will be here on Christmas Eve with another. It also doesn't help that two of the, the ones, the one, the accusation that's, that's fresher and the other one their responses were like did not do anything to help like to help their cause i'll say that like their both of their responses were not like phrased well they didn't really help like they just yeah they they did not go about their responses well especially so, and i'll say that. his name just for the sake of of my point especially kevin spacey his was the worst the most ridiculous oh, thing i've ever seen it was embarrassing. It, it was offensive dude. in every fucking way. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what uh, the other guy's response was. Off, like I, I, I'm sure I read it when it happened, but I don't remember details about that. I remember everything about what Kevin Spacey said. Probably gaslighting. Yeah, I think his was more. Like, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, his. Yeah, I think some of his was like, "Well, it was consensual," and it's like, "Yeah, ugh, dude." Like, <laughs> also, there's other quotes from him from like people pulled up from past interviews, like like magazine interviews. It's like. And not to even, like, dredge up the past to cancel something. It's, like, not about that. It's just the way that things were phrased. And it's, like, that's – I don't care if you're joking. I know that's, like, maybe it was a different time. It still doesn't make those quotes okay. It just means that we weren't as – we weren't as, like, alert the media about them in the past. We kind of just, like, let certain things slide. But I – yeah, I don't know. Just the way the way he responded made me just feel very, like, icky. So I'm just, like – for one, I for one, like right off the bat, I typically unless I unless I'm given reason not to, I always try to trust whoever comes forward. But it doesn't it really doesn't help that that person, the the accused, when their response is like not doing them any favors. It's I don't want to say it's a tricky situation because it's not a tricky situation. What they did was bad, and they should be held accountable for what they did. It's just hard to sometimes see a movie that you love so much just get kind of ruined because of yeah. what they did and. It's like you talk about how Edge of Seventeen can be hard to watch because of what the male lead in that film did. It's hard for me to go back and watch Baby Driver. As much as I love that film and as much as I want to rewatch it again, I just haven't been able to. And so that's really what it comes down to. And like because of everybody else that I'm so excited for in West Side Story, I still plan to see that in theaters. I I keep joking. I'm just going to like kind of cover his face with my hands because like – because it has so many, like, it has all the Broadway babes in it. It has Rachel Zegler, who is already a star. Like, I'm so excited. Like, just, just, I mean, you know me, movie musicals. So, like, I still want to give that the attention. I want to give everybody else that did an amazing job in that or, or just amazing job that was part of it. I want to give them the recognition they deserve. Because I think, honestly, I think it looks really good. I just, it just sucks that it was not feasible to, like, do reshoots for that like it was for other people who have funny enough the guy we were just talking about he got replaced yeah i was hoping it'd be the same thing but i mean i get like it's it's I, a bit harder to do I when don't... he's the lead of your movie and it's a very expensive movie and it's yeah. a musical i guess part of me just kind of wanted there to be like some statement of like 
we do not support this however because of this this and this it's not it does not make sense to read like I, I it was more just it would have put me at ease a little bit that like some statement had been made just to like so I wouldn't just have to like assume that it was because of x y and z it was just yeah but at this point I'm just like well whatever it is what it is movies coming out and everybody everybody else and it looks fantastic yeah. so honestly it might be cynical on my part but I imagine the reason they didn't put out a statement at all is because 80% of people who are watching the movie will have no idea what he did and they don't want to draw any attention to yeah. it because that'll cost them money I genuinely think we'll the vast majority of people who will go see the movie <laughs> didn't hear about that because I don't think that story got a ton of traction. Like I didn't see people discussing it at length, like, it, it like I mostly, did with with it other was situations on Twitter. Yeah, like I saw some of it on Twitter, but I only saw a few tweets the day that it came out, and I didn't see much after that. So like, I don't think it made the rounds. And part publicly. of that might have been because of the like, because with Kevin Spacey, it was like some of his at least one of his accusers was is also an actor. Yeah. And this was somebody who decided to bravely share their story on on social media. So, like, like I don't know. I'm not going to try to understand all the different elements that went into it. It's just, it's just a shame when people still get some attention for things, even when they're horrible people. Because I don't. Because I'm just one of those people that's like, I don't think that talent is an excuse. No. And you shouldn't be. It it happens a lot, and yeah. it sucks that that's how the industry is the way it is. It sucks that people can be so forgiving of it. It also sucks that sometimes, like I was just talking about, some stuff doesn't gain enough traction, so nothing happens as a result. Yeah. It just all sucks sometimes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Speaking about things that suck, Nick, talk to us about old James Bond movies. Oh, yay, I can talk about how these suck. <laughs> so. Well, I can't really much. I can just go off of comments you've made and my opinion on those, <laughs> but continue. Yeah. So anyway, in March 2020, I had a plan. February 2020, even I had a plan where I was going to watch all the old James Bond movies. Well, I guess not all the old ones, every single James Bond movie. So all the 24 official ones before No Time to Die came out in April of 2020. And that got derailed because of what happened in March 2020. And so I kept waiting and then the movie got delayed and then it got delayed again. And then I think it got delayed once or twice more. Finally settled on this October release date, October 8th, I think. And uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple Fridays ago, I realized it was three weeks away and I hadn't watched, uh, started watching all of them again. So I made the, uh, the bold choice of watching 24 Bond movies in 21 days. And as of today, which I believe is day 11 of this, I am halfway through. I'm through 12 of the movies and I'm seeing No Time to Die next Wednesday night as of this recording, Wednesday the 6th. So I might not finish them in time before that, but I'll finish them right after that. Uh, so as of right now, I've seen 12 movies. I've seen the first 11, uh, and then I have seen Casino Royale. I actually saw Casino Royale in theaters last week with a couple friends, which is my favorite Bond movie and one of my favorite movies of all time. That was a blast. I'm doing the same with uh, Skyfall this week, uh, which I'm also looking forward to. But I've seen, I guess, the first 11 Bond movies, which cover all of Sean Connery's tenure. Uh, I've seen four Roger Moore movies, and I've seen George Lazenby's movie uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And... They're a mixed bag. There's some good ones. Uh, there's there's two really good movies from Sean Connery, which I think are From Russia With Love and Goldfinger. I think Honor Majesty's Secret Service is probably my favorite of these older ones so far. Uh, the Roger Moore ones, I like him in the role. His movies are what they are. They've all got their drawbacks. I think the biggest issue that they all have is that they're all probably about at least a 20 minutes too long. And so that detracts from them a little bit for me. There's almost always a point in the middle where I get bored, but I've been enjoying it so far. Even if the movies haven't always been up to scratch, I've enjoyed most of them, at least at least a decent amount, and halfway through, and I'm excited to keep going. 
Now they've got some issues. I'm well aware of this. We've discussed these issues. I've I've uh, texted you privately, Manny, and we've talked about them uh, in different channels on our Discord of the things in the Bond movies that have not aged well. And there's a lot of them that not that have not aged well. And if you want to talk about those now, we can talk about those now. Bond has always been a, a kind of chauvinistic, <laughs> uh, sexist kind of film series. Um, it's also been racist. I mean, you there has been a lot of things that you. Oh yeah. Uh, talked about recently. Yeah, about, live and let oh, die. That, that that one in particular. As good as the song is, the movie itself. <laughs> the song is a banger. Paul McCartney and Wings were were going off when they recorded that song, but the movie, uh, it's a they try and capitalize on the black exploitation craze of the early seventies, and they have a bunch of white people making a James Bond movie that also tries to be a black exploitation movie which has voodoo in it and it has a fortune teller character played by jane seymour who uh when she loses her virginity to james bond who is i believe as far as the actors were i believe roger moore was 24 years older than her at the time uh i could be wrong uh but anyway when she loses her virginity to bond uh she loses her ability to uh tell the future which is just you know that's something that would definitely fly today right the cat you are a very vocal and this is a good thing you're a vocal person about um, <laughs> rights and about sexism in films mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So when you've heard about what Nick was saying, you know, even like I have never seen a James Bond film kind of for those reasons of being like, wow, these are very outdated. Just ma- I don't want to say masculine movies, but like movies for movies that perpetuate a certain uh, ideal for men like do you agree? Yeah, from I again I maybe at some point when my when the guys in my family were watching one of them maybe I saw a whole one I clearly I wasn't paying enough attention I remember bits and pieces, um, but between what I remember and what we've talked about in Discord and just what I've picked up over the years I just it definitely seemed like something where even even if you if I'm barely paying attention you can just kind of tell that it's very much the the white man the white straight cis man being the hero and it seemed like from when I got the women were really only love interests who usually either had to be saved or like or died tragically or like they were there just to have sex with him and then tragedy strikes again like, i don't know them very well but from what nick was informing me of in the discord like, i don't think i was too far off broadly i get that sometimes in movies like however the story takes you it i mean however the writer wants to go with it it's their decision but it's just it's really really disappointing when for one when uh women are like are just the love interests they don't really have any qualities aside from being beautiful and being attracted to the guy and being like potentially a damsel or just very like one dimensional and then like they don't have their own story or or there's like one one or two women in this very male led movie and it's, and especially with some of the older movies it's like a lot of straight cis white men and not saying those stories can't be good but it just it feels like there hasn't been a lot of growth and i just find that very very frustrating that that one women continue to be seen as kind of just like an object in so many of these stories and also that there's not much diversity and there's just not really inclusion and it kind of feels like they only really are catering to the white men who like that I guess I mean I don't know I don't know what goes on in those discussions but it's just 
frustrating that especially with a especially with a franchise that could expand and become more complex and inclusive and stuff it's just frustrating when that doesn't happen frustrating when you look back at all these movies and it's just like oh wow well there's not really much for me in there but yeah (laughs) I don't really have any again I haven't seen them so like I can't say that I wouldn't potentially enjoy one, but given the bits I've seen, I feel like I would just be frustrated by them. Which I get. I totally get. And I am well aware of what happens in these movies when I go and watch them. I had an inkling of when I first watched them all five years ago, I'd never seen any of them. And I watched them in release order from the first Sean Connery all the way to the most recent Daniel Craig movie. I watched them in order. I had an inkling of what they would be. And I was proven right a lot of the time. Like the depictions of female characters for the most part are pretty much what you what you suggest a lot of them are just love interests they're clearly there for their looks for the most part uh most of them aren't really given much characterization the few that are uh and on her majesty's secret service and casino royale those are, those are the examples i'll bring up uh diana rigg in uh, uh on her majesty's secret service and eva green in casino royale i think are the best bond girls in the series that sort of proving your point they both die at the end it's a tragic character moment for bond and for them eva green's hits a little differently yeah. I, I would i would argue but those are the best portrayals and they still they still die at the end and they're there to reinforce bond as a character otherwise he's just i mean he's he's supposed to be a sex symbol he's supposed to be a male fantasy type character that's what the movies are about i sort of approach them in the sense that these are like serialized adventure movies, basically. You're not supposed to take them too seriously. For the most part, the Daniel Craig movies definitely are have become much more serious. But you're not supposed to take them too seriously. You're just supposed to sort of kick back, relax, and watch them. And catering to the audience that they had, which were mm-hmm. white men in uh, the UK and in America for the most part. I think they served their audience what the audience wanted for the most part, which is another discussion. Um, but I, th- I think the depictions of minorities serve, obviously very dated and i i would like to imagine i haven't seen no time to die yet because that comes out next week that's the most recent one so we'll see how they're doing but i think they're aware of of the differences and how they need to depict people uh, as far as how well they do that that sort of remains to be seen but there's a lot of egregious examples of of how they've depicted women and minorities over the years yeah. and it's atrocious in a lot of situations like i've you saw a gif in the discord earlier and i didn't share the context of that with you but in the movie thunderball if anyone's seen it uh there's a woman who uh sean connery i'm trying to remember the context of it exactly but basically sean connery blackmails her into having sex with him or else he'll reveal something to her boss that'll get her fired and it's a hero moment for him the music is all funny and that's just how the scene comes off but it's horrible and he's a terrible person in that moment the movie doesn't present him as such but if you have any sense of morals and values, you would understand that he's a terrible person in this moment. There's moments like that scattered throughout. Like in Goldfinger, there's another gift that I think got shared in the Discord we were talking about earlier. He just thanks a woman and has her, basically tells her, uh, get to step in so the men can talk, so we can talk about uh, spy stuff. And he spanks her as she as she walks out of the frame. There's a lot of stuff like that throughout the movies. I think they get better about it over time, as you would hope they would. Uh, but there's still, even even in the Daniel Craig movies, there are some depictions that I'm not a fan of, uh, especially in Skyfall. There's not really a Bond girl in Skyfall, but the closest one to it, she doesn't get much characterization. There's a really creepy scene. Uh, I don't know if you heard about it when the movie came out. I don't really want to get into it right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, but they've that that's one of the weakest characters I've seen in a movie, like a major movie in the last 20 years. It's sort of appalling that they still did that in a movie in 2012. 
but so like to this day they still have issues with those depictions i think they're aware of how they how they need to change the series and i'm like i said i'm curious to see how they change the series but i'm i guess what i wanted to say i'm aware of all these issues and i think generally unless it's something that you have a serious problem with which i totally understand uh, I think you can still find ways to enjoy the movies. I do in that serial adventure sense where I'm just watching something sort of disposable that I'm just supposed to kick back and enjoy, uh, except for the few that you're supposed to take more seriously. I can enjoy them on that level and still totally acknowledge of all the things that happen that are wrong, that shouldn't fly today, that wouldn't fly today. And I think you can still enjoy them on that level. Yeah. And I mean, I get that because like I, to a certain degree with some, some older movies, I like I don't excuse the things that happen, but I understand sometimes I'm just like, okay, it's a product of its time. It's not okay, but but I understand to a certain degree that it's a product of its time. And I mean, there's certain movies that I'm still a fan of or I love or whatever that that looking back at them now, like watching them now, I'm like, they do certain things that I'm like, wow, that's not okay. And even like, and some of them have acknowledged it, some of them haven't. And I, I just, I get that it's, that while certain things shouldn't have been, okayed in the first place I also get that it happens and I don't condone any of it but I I understand to a certain degree that you can still enjoy other other parts of that that movie or tv show because like I said there's there's ones I enjoy that have like scenes that are flat out prejudiced or just whatever they're just they they have things that are very just like inappropriate in whatever way and then but there's other parts of the movie or whatever that I still love so I get the yeah, I don't know. It's 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 it could be a very gray area and now it's more just like it's the kind of thing of I don't see myself going back to view those for myself, but I'm also not going to be like how could you possibly like these movies? Like I might I might share my opinion of like being like I don't love that they do this with women, but like I'm I also understand that there can be aspects that are still enjoyable. So just kind of take it for what it is and not going to trouble myself with going back to them because i probably won't find them entertaining but that's just me and yeah yeah no i think i sort of viewed in the same vein as the separate the art from the artist thing that we were talking about earlier like everybody's gonna have their own threshold for what they can and can't handle like i i go back and watch old movies that's what i do whether it's stuff i missed growing up or stuff way back decades in decades past that i just never had the chance to see and i have to go into everything with the understanding that there will be stuff there and especially you know the older you get the worse it gets in a lot of instances but i have to go back and watch older stuff with the understanding that there might not be stuff that holds up but that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't stuff in the movie or in the show whatever you're watching that has merit i think there's there, you can find a lot of merit in pretty much anything older you go back and watch. And you can still, I think, healthily acknowledge the things that haven't aged well in the same sentence that you acknowledge the positive things that the movie did, whether it's just a filmmaking thing, whether it's a depiction of a certain character. I think you can you can do both, I think. And I try and do both because I do understand that most most movies have aspects that haven't aged well. Like, that's just inevitable. In one way or another, your movie's not going to age perfectly. There will be stuff that doesn't hold up when you view it. 10, 15, 100 years later yeah. or whatever it may be. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that certain certain entertainment has stood the test of time for a reason. And even if you go back and see certain moments or like certain certain jokes or certain just behavior that now you're like looking at it here and now at this age after, after these experiences, like I don't condone this and it might have just flown over my head before, but now I'm like, okay, that's not okay. But, but that can also mean that it can be the tough thing of like there can be an hour of like fantastic writing and then like one 
one poorly written joke. So I, I get the, yeah. as just take it with a grain of salt and just everybody's different. And like I said, like knowing that it's like you who like is like knowing that it's somebody who is, who tries to like, who wants to like learn from that or at least like acknowledge that stuff while trying to enjoy other aspects of it. I mean, it certainly helps. Yeah, I think that's something you have, you sort of have to do because I don't, I wouldn't, you know, for myself, I wouldn't uh, approach something in the sense that I'm just here to enjoy this and there's nothing else, there's nothing to be critical about, there's nothing that possibly couldn't have aged well, I don't want to be that guy. And I hope other people, even if they approach watching movies or TV just as simple entertainment, I hope they can approach things at least on that level to acknowledge that something hasn't aged well, or mm. to acknowledge that something won't age well if it's something new. And there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of new stuff that has problematic elements that we can talk about when it comes out and we can talk about later. I will say, I think everybody can go watch Casino Royale. I think even the little bits that uh, that might not age as well, which there's a couple, but I think Casino Royale is fantastic. And I think most people can can enjoy Casino Royale. That's my one endorsement of the Bond series for sure. There you go, Casino Royale. Hey everyone. So this audio is recorded a little bit later. Um, we had some issues with my power going out and we thought that we had lost a file, but we didn't. Um, so this is gonna be our discussion about Dear Evan Hansen. Um, be warned, we do talk about mental health, mental health awareness, suicide that does come up, um, self-harm. We do talk about these topics. I mentioned it earlier in the episode that it is going to be a serious conversation. So just be warned about that. But now we're going to talk about Dear Evan Hansen. So this was a Broadway musical that was 2017. Yes, 2017. Starring yeah. Ben Platt. As the main character, Evan Hansen, he has come back to return in the film, which is four years later. He is now 27 years old. Not that it's important, um, but just thought you should know that. Um, the <laughs> film follows a teenager, Evan Hansen, with social anxiety as he tries to deal with a grieving family who recently lost their son to suicide. And he gets wrapped up in a lie and he's trying to manage all of that while also finally having something that he's wanted, which is a social life, essentially. He finally has people that he feels understand him, people that he can feel comfortable around, friends, and in some cases, um, an actual stable family. So that's the basic premise of the film. We'll go around and give some of our basic thoughts. I did not like the film. I thought the story was very harmful and very bad and poorly written and it being a musical does not mesh well with the serious tone that it's going for, especially since it's contemporary pop, like modern pop. And I typically don't like Pasek and Paul as songwriters in general. I'm not a big fan of Greatest Showman. So this didn't do it for me. There were a couple things that I liked, like the supporting cast for the most part, I liked better than everyone than Ben Platt. I have a pretty similar opinion to Manny. I wasn't a fan of it, although I guess differently from both of you, I wasn't familiar with the stage show before the movie was announced this year when that first trailer came out. I'd never heard of it. I'd seen all the stuff about Ben Platt uh, leading up to the movie's release. I didn't think I would like it, but I gave it a shot, uh, mostly for you, Kat, so uh, you're welcome. Aww. And I gave it a shot, and I also wasn't a particularly big fan of it. I didn't hate it as much as I feared I might hate it, but I did think on the whole, the storytelling was, was pretty lackluster. I did find it to be, like Manny said, kind of harmful in a lot of places. And it just didn't click with me in any way. And I'd hoped that the performances would help save it. But I didn't end up liking most of the performances, save for a couple. 
it's just not it wasn't my thing we can get into it more as we go on but i was not a particularly big fan of it i don't think i hated it as passionately as manny did though okay i as you might have guessed i really enjoyed it for what it was i loved it um I I can see people's grievances. I certainly, this time around, I came into it with, I, I suppose, less rose-colored glasses on because when I first saw it, for one, I loved it. I love Ben Platt. I love Pasek and Paul. I'm a huge fan of Greatest Showman. And I loved everybody involved. And right off the bat, I, I was just kind of enamored with it. And so, and I also didn't see any of those negative opinions until years later. So I just came into it with this whole, like, oh, it's amazing. And I certainly kept some of that, some of those opinions and some of that point of view in mind this time around. I can see why people disliked it. And I certainly don't want to discredit anybody's experiences. It's especially with something as, as complex as mental health and such a tricky topic. And I can totally see why people had issue with it, whether it was just the story in general or whether it was the way it was handled or whether it was the music, what have you. I, I mean, I love the stage show and I know it pretty well. And the adaptation was pretty close to it as far as script and such. So it kind of just felt like a new version of something I already loved. And I definitely want to see it again. And for me, it helped my journey. It, it made me feel more supported and it made me feel less alone. And just it made me feel better about all the tough things. So I'm I'm one of the few that really connected to it in a good way, but I can also totally sympathize and see why Minnie did not feel that way. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to talk about the film. Overall, I'm just going to say Nick and I don't recommend watching the film. Kat does recommend watching the film. That's pretty much as much, that's pretty much as much as we can say, Jesus Christ, <laughs> without going to spoilers. Uh, we are going to go full spoilers from here on out. Um, so the first thing that I want to talk about is best part of the show for Nick <laughs> was clearly the icy that he had. Nick, talk to us about the cherry icy. That okay, so the AMC theater. Theaters has these wild cherry ices, and they are just the, the God's gift to Earth. And I don't even believe in God. That's how good they are. They're the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever had. Every single movie I go to, I order a cherry icy now. If, if I get nothing else, I at least get the cherry icy. And I put in the Discord right before I saw the movie. I asked, I asked everybody if I was going to enjoy the movie or the IC more, and then I didn't say anything about the movie, but after the movie, I said that was a really good IC, and I left it at that. So, yeah. I hi highly recommend getting the Cherry IC at AMC Theaters. I'm not a big Cherry, but I do love ICs. <sighs> Cherry's the best. I do like ICs. I, I like pretty ICs. much all ICs. They still have them. I just, well, I remember I used to get them. From, that was like the one thing I used to get from Burger King, and then one day they were like, oh, we have lemon lime now, and I was like, what the fuck? Wait, 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 you're getting a Coke Icy from Burger Okay, we're getting way off topic now. Um, <laughs> things that we liked about the film. <laughs> things that we liked about um, Burger King. This is not the, this is not the things that we liked about Cat Burger King. Ooh, nice, um, nice, nice. I'm sorry, Cat. I didn't mean to say that. I know that people have made that joke so many times. but And, and also, that one, that's that an insult to you to compare appreciate. you to Burger King. You're better than Burger King, Cat. No, it's an insult to you. You are better than Burger so. King. I would hope so. <laughs> Cat is also better than Dear Evan Hansen. But the Ooh, good things that damn. we liked in Dear Evan Hansen, Sincerely Me was the only song that I actively enjoyed. It doesn't fit with the story at all. And it's really dark and messed up when you think about the context of everything that's happening in there. So even that doesn't fully work. But Sincerely Me is good. And I actually like the supporting cast. Mainly Caitlin Deaver as Zoe Murphy, who is Connor Murphy's sister. 
and I forget his name, but something Pino, who plays uh, Connor's stepfather in the film. Other than that, there is pretty much nothing else that I can say that I actively enjoyed about the film. So that's pretty much where I will leave my thoughts to Nick. So once again, we're kind of the same here. That uh, Sincerely Me, the song that you mentioned, that was the one time that I felt like the movie actually had some personality and some vibrance and it actually felt like it had some energy because most of the movie doesn't feel like a musical in the sense that there's not a, there's not a lot of color going on there's not a lot of movement not a lot of kinetic energy throughout the entire movie a lot of the musical numbers are aren't even numbers they're just people sitting or standing in rooms and then singing at each other or just singing to themselves sincerely me i felt like I actually picked the energy up a little bit it felt like a musical for the first and only time at least to me in the sense in the sense of how I enjoy musicals. Uh, but like you said, when you actually put it in context, it sort of falls apart, at least to me, because they're literally putting words into a dead person's mouth and you're seeing it play out on screen. He'll have a couple of words or phrases and then they'll fix it and then they'll they'll re- revise it and then he'll say the the new revised words that they've written down. And they're, they're literally putting words into the dead guy's mouth and that just rubbed me the wrong way. But the actual sequence itself is fun. And the rest of the movie is deadly serious for the most part and doesn't really have fun with itself. Not that not that you should have fun with something that deals with subject matter like this, but it just brings a little bit of energy that I wish the movie had more of. Uh, other than that, uh, you mentioned Caitlin Deaver. She's the one performance that I could say that I really enjoyed. I didn't feel too strongly about Ben Platt either way. I don't think he was terrible or anything, but I didn't feel like he gave a strong enough performance to fit the bill of we needed him in this role to get this movie made, which was sort of the narrative that they had when they were coming out with the movie. Certainly didn't feel like he rose up to that level. I was disappointed with Julianne Moore and Amy Adams, who I'm both usually big fans of. Uh, I don't like that it feels like movies like this are what Amy Adams is doing more and more of. I think she's better than material like this. Uh, And I really hope she gets her Oscar soon so she stops doing stuff like this. That's 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 my overall feeling on the performances. Um, there's a couple okay ones. Caitlin Dever, I would say, is really good, and then the father, like you said, uh, I like his performance. But otherwise, just it didn't. It, a lot of it just didn't work for me in that regard. I can certainly see everybody's issues. Um, sincerely, me, I I loved. I I will say, again, I've I've said in the past, and when I called into wingers to tell Brian to shut up, um, I certainly don't. It's a tricky thing of I don't condone any of Evan's hate behavior like it's, it's obviously not a good situation and I and I do believe he should face repercussions for it but it's one of those tricky things where to a certain degree while admitting that it's bad behavior I also overall feel for him just like I feel for all the characters um I do even though he shouldn't be lying to the family I do appreciate that he's trying to give them happy thoughts about their son that was so troubled it all falls to shit and like yes it's not the best way to do it but i do appreciate it. like at least in that song that he's like trying to show son potentially in a good light um i also i didn't love julianne moore's performance and i enjoyed amy adams a little bit more but with those two it was just one of those things where you watch it and you can't really get lost in the character i'm just like oh i'm watching amy adams play this part and I had better luck with most of the other actors kind of kind of forgetting who they actually are and being like, they're this character. And with those two, I was just like, either of them were bad per se. It just very much felt like I'm watching this actor do their job. I thought Caitlin was great. I loved her performance in, in Requiem. I thought Amanda playing Alana was great. I thought, um, I think his name is Nick. I can't remember his last name. He's the one actor I don't know. Nick Dodani. Well. There we go. He, he was great. Fulton Ryan. 
who actually is from the Broadway show. I believe he was a standby. He played, he went on for Jared, Connor, and Evan. He played Connor in this and he was great. I did really enjoy Ben. It was one of those things where there was so much to it that I was already loving and just kind of so excited to see this different iteration of it that I was already, like as soon as the music would start in a certain scene or as soon as someone would say a certain part, I'd get so excited that I didn't necessarily come at it from the critiquing perspective that some might and there's nothing wrong with that it's just me being over here like they're doing wavy through a window or they're doing this part and I can see people's issue I can see that there's certain a lot of the dialogue also I feel like lands differently it's on stage and it's just how it is and sometimes it's supposed to be a bit more over the top and I feel like on stage it didn't bother me in the movie because I was already so into it like like I said I know the show but things like Sincerely Me didn't feel so out of place because on the stage they were already having it felt like appropriate moments to have a laugh here and there. So it didn't feel like darkness and then sincerely me and then darkness. It didn't feel like such a stark difference. So I guess for me, when I was seeing these iterations, I was already kind of had in mind the show that I knew so well that none of that really bothered me. I certainly came into this watching it and I certainly could like kind of hear in my head certain people's understandable issues with the show and took them into consideration for certain scenes and such. But you know me, I was still weeping. Words fail still like crushed my soul. I still loved it and kind of just accept it for what it is. And like I said before, this just happens to be one of those things where unfortunately, while it troubles so many people and that's totally fine, their their experience, like the music itself has just really helped me in some of my own mental health issues and such. So for me, it just kind of feels like one of those things of just like coming back to something that just makes me feel like supported and less alone so that's just probably it's one of the reasons I like I covet it so much but I also understand like the, did the movie have to be made no but I'm still really glad that I got to see it you bring up a couple points that I want to go over um one of them was you say that like the tone was better going from the other songs to sincerely me I went back and I rewatched the stage musical uh, okay. They play pretty much the exact same from stage to show. Not not exactly, but it pretty he pretty much sings for forever. His parents thank him, and then on the stage show, it cuts right to Jared saying like, "Oh my God, you lied to the family. You did all this other stuff," yeah. and it's pretty much that way in the in the film. It, it takes even longer in the film to go from from for forever to sincerely me. So I don't think it's a thing of oh, well, they just handled it better on the stage play. I think it's just the it's okay. concept of, oh, we're writing fun letters about a kid who died because we're, you know, talking to the family and we're going to be manipulating them into thinking that we were great friends, even though we weren't, because this is all that they have. It's just yeah. uncomfortable and, in my opinion, just gross. And uh, talking about the music in general, I don't know if you felt this, Nick, but so much of it just felt very hollow to me. It felt sort of like, especially You Will Be Found, it just felt sort of like, uh, you're feeling sad? Well, someone will come around. And it's just kind of weird that that's the main like song that they're pushing is, oh, someone will come around and you'll be happy. And it's like, no, that's not what mental illness, what mental health is about it's not just that a person's going to come and notice you and you'll be fine there's a lot more to it and that's kind of what irks me about this is that it tries to portray itself as like being like oh we're all for mental illness but there's so many things that just 
don't work for it and work against it in that regard. I don't know if you have that same feeling, Nick. I, I felt that way a lot. I think my main problem with this movie, other than just the storytelling in general, not adding up to make Evan a, a good protagonist, in my opinion, is that thematically, I feel like it wants to delve deeper into mental health issues than it actually ends up doing. Because you ta- you mentioned the, the You Will Be Found song, and I thought that scene felt horribly executed in the movie. For one, because it's basically you're literally seeing Evan's lie be compounded more and more and more, going viral to the point that he's gaining thousands of followers and that they're getting tens of thousands of dollars in donations for uh, the Connor Project or whatever it's called. And it's like, in one perspective, you can see, oh, look at all this good that's being done. And from my perspective, I'm just looking at it thinking his lie is getting worse and worse and worse by the second now because of everything that he's doing. In that sense, how it relates to him as a protagonist, he's compounding everything and making it a thousand times worse in that sense. That's, I think, that the execution of the scene wants you to think it's a triumphant moment, but it doesn't hit as a triumphant moment for me at all. Uh, but, but overall, as far as how it pertains to mental health, doesn't hit for me in the way that I think it wants to. I feel like, like I said, it wants to go deeper, but more than anything, it feels like it just ends up being a very simple, basic message of you are not alone, which I appreciate, but I also feel like when the movie is clearly diving as much into mental health as it is, uh, whether it's what Evan's dealing with, what happened to Connor, whatever, or the other characters who are going through similar stuff, I feel like it just it doesn't actually focus on what's happening with people with mental health issues and how it affects everybody individually. I feel like it's just very broad in the sense of you are not alone, which, I, like I said, is a nice positive message. But for a movie that's so focused on it, I wish it would have delved deeper than that. And I feel like it ultimately didn't. Yeah. Especially as it pertains to Connor, and because he's the, he's the character who actually, you know, went all the way and ended up committing suicide and which is tragic. But I feel like it focuses on how that pertains to Evan more than what actually drove Connor to that point and whether the help or lack of help that he was getting, how that contributed to that and how his treatment actually contributed to that. That's the stuff I would have liked to see explored more. And instead, you're fo- it focused mostly on how it, how it pertained to Evan. And I think tying back to Evan as a protagonist, I think that's what makes Evan a weaker protagonist to me. Because I feel like the actual meat of the story is there with Connor, and they don't focus on the intric- intricacies of what happened with Connor. Yeah, and going off of that, like we talk about Evan just as a character not feeling a good protagonist and all this other stuff. After he gets invited to dinner with the parents, he never questions anything that he does. There's never a moment where he sits and questions anything that happens. Once he gets to that dinner scene, he's just in it for the long run. He never uh, he never thinks like, oh, maybe I shouldn't write the letters to Connor's parents. Maybe I shouldn't start a foundation for someone that I didn't know. Maybe I shouldn't speak about this person that I didn't know. So much of it is just this is going to help me in the long run. At least that's the way that it was portrayed. So much of it just was what's going to help Evan, not what is best for people in the end. And that's something that also came up uh, through discourse with other people was the way that they portray therapy in the film. We A, we never see the therapist, so we don't actually know what's, I don't want to say like what's going on with him, but we don't know what his relationship with his therapist is and how it is or isn't helping him other than what we see in the film, which is write a letter to yourself because you need to have positive words of affirmation, which I don't know if that does or doesn't help people, but it is a a way to go about it. But on top of that, so much of what the film shows of therapy is 
uh, find something that's going to make you happy. And I just don't feel like that's what therapy is. I feel like so much of it is working through your issues and your relationships with other people to get to a place where you can be sort of better. Um, not just, oh, write something that's going to get you happy for this amount of time or do something that's going to get you happy. I feel like so much of it should be more focused on how can your surroundings affect what you're going through. And so, so much of what Evan does in the film is just, well, I have this now, I have that now, and I didn't have these things before. Like, words fail is all about, I didn't have this girl that would see me. I didn't have a father that loved me. I didn't have a mother who was always there, and I wanted this, so I just took it, essentially. And he tries to say in the song, like, oh, but that's not a worthy excuse. But he still did it, and at the end of the day, the song is still focused about him and his emotions, not about what the family is going through. And that's just something that irks me so much is that this is a story about, or it should be a story about a family and they're grieving over their son that they lost. But so much of it is focused on, I'm a kid who didn't have these things growing up. Now I have them, so I'm going to try to keep them at all costs. And if that sounds like simplified, it is an overly simplified version of it. But that's just the way that I saw a lot of the film. I I mean, I can totally, can definitely see where you both are coming from. There's plenty of statements you made where I'm like, even though I still see it slightly differently, or even though I still love certain aspects, I, I don't necessarily fully disagree with certain things you said. I personally, one thing I will say is, I get I get that it's tough with this with this narrative, but I. For one, at, at least at this point now that I've like had more time to think about it, I don't necessarily see Evan as a protagonist. I think I feel like he just happens to be the lead, which can be tough because there are certainly stories that I want to see more of. I wish we saw more of Connor. There's this really sweet song that was cut from the Broadway show that um, Mrs. Murphy sings in the bedroom down the hall that talks a little bit more about the struggles with Connor. And does it does suck that most of what we see from Connor, whether it's even even more in the stage show, because in the stage show, he was like a voice Evan talked to, to to try to like see whether or not he should do certain things or just kind of like the voice in his head it wasn't the real Connor, but that's what we saw of Connor. It really sucks that most of what we see of the real Connor is so brief. And I don't know if there was a certain point that they chose to make with that decision or if it just happened. I'm not sure what the, what the thought process was on how much they were going to show Connor when they were creating the show or the movie. Uh, it, do, it does suck that, that we don't get to see more of him. I appreciate that he has his own song in this, but I also, it's, it's kind of a bummer that it's mostly just sung over other scenes. So you don't necessarily realize that it's his story right away. I will say as far as with you will be found, I can't say for certain what the entire goal was of that. I, I've watched plenty of behind-the-scenes videos, but I don't remember for certain. I know that I feel like, at least with the beginning of it, he's telling, talking about his own struggles of breaking his arm in the forest and no one being around him. And it feels like he's trying to kind of reassure himself, or at least how he was like saying, like, oh, just, or he was just saying, like, actually, Connor was there with me. And then also maybe reassure others. I will say I couldn't help but chuckle when I watched it in the theaters because the microphone fell and he kept singing. And I was like, honey, you can pick the microphone up. No one can hear you. <laughs> so that was one like 
uh, te technical thing that I was like, oh, they're not going to, if this was real, they wouldn't hear you. So that was one little thing that I was like, oof. But both of you make some really good points about like logically or, or seeing certain things from a different perspective. Like I said, a lot of this I saw with kind of a different point of view and firsthand. And I also, I don't, I don't know if it changes my opinion that, or if it affected my opinion on the show as a whole or the movie as a whole that I became obsessed with the cast recording before I knew the whole plot. So I'm not sure if that affected how I, how I viewed certain choices that were made. I can certainly see people being very, having like a disdain for Evan and the issues with him. And while I love words fail and while I can see him kind of having that turmoil and that battle of like, I shouldn't have done this, but I did it. And bringing up things that he didn't have. Overall, it just kind of feels like much more of a divisive story than I realized, and that's okay. And while a lot of it felt either uplifting for me or just reminding of me of, like, the amount of times I've listened to Will Be Found and just that, like, bridge of You Are Not Alone, the amount of times I sit there and really think about it and just, like, it hits me in a certain way. And, and I just have a certain special, like, emotional reaction to the show in a good way. And I understand that at this point, a lot of people are going to have a negative reaction to it, and I totally get that. And I noticed that both of you were mentioning the way that the the way that the song placement was. And for me, I didn't mind that because I've I've known some musicals where they just kind of where it's not as big of like a number, and they just kind of start talking and then it's singing. And I'm not sure if it was just this particular story that I felt out of place for you, or if it's just that you prefer musicals that have like like we mentioned in the heights before that it's kind of like a whole big number i'm not sure if if it's either of those but i just know that whenever i was viewing it nothing really felt out of place to me and maybe that's just because of when i got into the show and by the time that i heard these opinions i was already so obsessed with it i don't know but i'm i'm happy that i enjoyed the movie i was really worried about not liking it and like i said before i can totally see people's issue with it but it's one of those things where i'm like I recognize the issues it has, but it's not so much issue for me that keeps me from being grateful for the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I I don't want to come off in a certain way, like like you. No, said, you don't. It's like, okay. No, like like you said, it helped you, and I I want to be clear. If it helped anyone, I'm I'm totally happy for you that it helped you. And anything I say, I don't mean to diminish you because everybody has different experiences, and it's going to hit you in a certain way. It just hit me in a certain way that really rubbed me the wrong way. Most of it, some some of it, some of it worked okay for me, but as as a whole, it rubbed me the wrong way. That's fine. I mean, there's there's plenty of shows and movies where that like bothered me on a personal level that other people loved, and it's just like everybody has their own stories. Everybody has certain things that are either going to hit them because of their own hit them negatively because of their own experience, or just because that's just how they react to certain things. And something that I appreciate about the three of us having this discussion is the show like we're going to have different opinions on certain things and that's okay. And sometimes it's harder to have different opinions because it's such a emotional conversation or it's such a heavy conversation or what have you. And I think as long as you can understand the other person's opinion, but still be respectful and still be and like, if they liked it, be grateful. They liked it. And otherwise just be like, well, it's a shame you didn't like it, but I'm glad you at least tried. I mean, that's why I said when I called into wingers, it was just like, however, have whatever opinions you want on this, on this, just, if you're at least interested enough to look into it and see if you like it, then like if, if this, if people don't like it, then that's totally their thing. It's like, that's totally fine. But if it helps anybody 
then that's amazing. I mean, anything that can help anybody feel a little bit less alone is also amazing. So just whatever reaction you took from it, I'm glad people at least gave it a shot. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Um, I just want to make that also clear that, you know, if it helps you, that's good. I'm. We all have different things that end up helping us at the end. Um, just for me, it didn't work. And it's it's so funny that we talk about like this movie because one of my favorite movies of all time, Perks Being a Wallflower, directed mm-hmm. by the same person, has a lot of the same, not a not a whole lot of the same elements, but you have a socially awkward kid who's going through high school, has experienced trauma in his life and sort of trying to find a group of people he can relate to and talk to and be with. But one of the things that I just feel this movie does that Perks doesn't is that they used his depression, anxiety, uh, his trauma. They use that all sort of as a scapegoat for everything that he ends up doing in the film. Throughout the film, we hear like his conversation where he's talking to Larry and he says like, oh, you know, your dad must be so proud. And we see the text messages on his phone showing like, oh, his dad doesn't really like him or mom's always out of the house and not really working or she has this perception of Evan that she doesn't say out loud and all of that is made sort of to make us like Evan or to sympathize with him whereas in Perks the main character is just likable and yes he is awkward and he does do you know some things that you don't really proof of but at the end of the day he's not messing with people's lives and trying to get away with it by saying that it was a good thing a lot of what he does genuinely felt real to me i feel like i don't feel like all of us have had that sort of moment where you're asked like oh do you like this person more than this person and you sort of end up having to confess the truth and then a bunch of things spiral from there but that's Mm. way more realistic and relatable than lying to a family saying that you knew their son who committed suicide and that's one of the things that just from pretty much from the get-go just takes me out of the film from liking this protagonist and he is the protagonist he is the main character of the film that we are supposed to root for at the end of the day we are supposed to root for evan to get better by the end of the film ultimately but the way that they try to do it feels very manipulative and it feels very much like Oh, he's a sad boy. He can do whatever he wants and (laughs) will just accept it. Like, even with the characters in the film, Jared never calls him out. He writes the letters and then completely goes with it for the rest of the film. Alana tries to call him out, but she ultimately ends up, you know, making things worse, which is another story about making a person of color ultimately the bad guy for leaking things. The parents, they say that they don't want Evan to come forward because they think of him as his son. So everyone is just trying to defend Evan, like, throughout the entire film. And even the very last thing that we see, which is Caitlin Deaver, you know, having that moment with Evan, it's implied that she forgives him, not that she detests him. Which I think that last line of her being like, oh, I just wanted to make sure that you saw it. I feel like that could have been played way more, I don't want to say petty, but it could have been played way more angry, not like shouting angry, but it could have been right. played with so much more disgust and like. You did all this, at least like, you could do is see the see the orchard. Yeah, and it's just it doesn't even like with them trying to say like, oh yeah, we're trying to make him 
own up to his actions and learn from it. So much of it still just feels so hollow because at the end of the day, Evan essentially, I don't want to say that he gets what he wants. And it's not that I want to say that it's bad that he's better, but it doesn't feel genuine and earned. It, it's a quick montage sure. that we assume is over a month or two of him trying to learn, you know, who Connor was, but no one ever really calls him out and he doesn't face real repercussions for it, in my opinion. And it's just all used throughout the film. It's just saying like, well, he's going through this. He has social anxiety. Do you really expect him to own up to this family that lost their son? And it's, it's a tough situation, I'm sure, but I know that I wouldn't go lying to a family saying that I knew their son. I, I, I'm sorry if that comes off as harsh. I don't mean for it to be harsh, but that's just my opinion is that I, from the get-go, I don't like his character. I don't like his motivations. And I don't like the way that the film tries to use his situation to justify the actions that he does. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I kind of feel the same. Like, it's the whole story structured in a way that he becomes a less and less likable protagonist as it goes on, as the light keeps getting bigger and bigger, and he keeps, he almost, at a certain point, he collapses under the weight of all the lying. But, like, that's not what I want my main character to be. And it feels like, uh, it feels like they're trying to overcompensate for for that for that part not clicking by trying to throw as many different ways to make him sympathetic as they can. Whether it's he's got the gripping social anxiety, or his dad hasn't been home, or his mom isn't around, or they have issues with money, which then they they sort of have a, a, a classism uh, subplot that they bring up a couple times that, that ultimately I don't feel like gets explored too heavily. But they have all these different things that feels like they're there to make you sympathetic for him, which I would be on the surface. But again, that's out of context. In the context of the movie, I'm ultimately not sympathetic for him because he feels like, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to be morbid when I say this or anything, but it feels like he keeps digging his own grave deeper and deeper. And at a certain point, like, maybe in the first scene I did feel somewhat sympathetic for him because if you have social anxiety uh, to the crippling degree that he has, and you're in an awkward situation like that with people who are very sensitive at that particular point, you, I don't know how I would handle that situation, but I feel like after that I wouldn't keep doubling down on it. And that's where he loses me. And it just gets worse and worse as, as the movie goes on. And I feel like ultimately the way it's resolved is very surface level. Like he's doing the bare minimum to say that he, he got to know Connor. He's, seeing what his favorite books are and stuff like that. Like, that's little stuff, but I feel like sort of going back to the point I was making about it, the movie not delving deep enough into mental health issues, it sort of feels like it's just doing the bare minimum, and that's that's the stuff that that's the stuff that bugs me. And I feel like that's supposed to be what redeems him as a protagonist if you're in the situation like me where you didn't like him, and I don't think it's enough to do it. I kind Yeah, and it doesn't help that, like, the story came from... Uh, someone who Pasek and Paul, the songwriters, they knew, well, they didn't, I don't know if they knew, but there was someone in their class, their grade when they were in school who had done an overdose and they saw all the teenagers that were just sort of like taking that moment to pretend that they knew someone and trying to build a story off of that. But but because your main character is a person that does all of that, it makes the rest of the story completely unlikable. And you were saying that, like, it does the bare minimum to show that he's grown or that he knew Khan or anything like that. And so much of that just falls so hollow a lot because the performance isn't, like, 
in my opinion, it's not good. Like he's he's a talented person, Ben Platt is. He's a good singer, and I've seen him do good acting. But this performance was very much staged and so much just overdone because when you're on the stage, you have to essentially overact versus with a theater, you're supposed to be a lot more low key. So the performance that he was doing with a lot of the big ticks and the big anxiety or social awkwardness things, the Naruto run for one. Oh my <laughs> God, that Naruto run. It's, it's that kind of like thing bothers me. And you talk about you, as you like saying like, I feel sorry for him at the beginning, but like, for, like after a certain point, you just don't, I feel like, so much of that is because we don't get a sense that this is an innocent kid because we see Ben Platt as a 27 year old and the makeup and all that other stuff and the controversy and him just looking older. We don't get that sense that he's a young, naive kid. If it were someone like Andrew Bart Feldman who played him on Broadway, it would have been more believable because he looks younger. He looks like he's an inexperienced person whereas ben platt doesn't and a lot of the film tries to make you think that he's a young inexperienced person the posture that he has some of the mannerisms that he does trying to you know say that he's a high school and all this other stuff and i'm not saying that i'm not like making the whole like oh ben platt is too old for this character or anything like that but i don't think that he's the right choice for a film version where everyone else is doing a film performance and he is doing the Broadway performance because it takes you out of it and you don't get that sense that he's a genuine, innocent kid that's in a tough situation. Yeah, and it feels to me, and I don't mean to bring things back to Bond for too long, but I just watched all, <laughs> I just watched all the Roger Moore Bond movies and in his last movie, A View to a Kill, he was 58 years old when that movie came out. And that's way too old to embody a, a super secret agent spy who needs to do all this action and you can see all the stunt doubles in the movie because he can't do it anymore and I, I sort of feel a parallel to Ben Platt in that sense where it's like the main thing that you have this person in the movie for they can't embody what they need to embody anymore Roger Moore can't be that secret agent who can do who can do fight scenes anymore he physically just can't embody that and it's the same with with Ben Platt for me like he just I don't feel him as a high schooler. He doesn't embody that to me. I, I don't know what he feels like, but he doesn't feel like a 17-year-old. And that's what they want you to, to believe him as being. And I just never bought that for a second. And I know that's not that's not something that's been uncommon. That's what the jokes have been about for months on, on social media since the movie got announced. But it's just that's something that takes me out of his performance because I don't buy him in any way as a high schooler. And like you said, the innocence that you can get, obviously, by the time you're 17, 18, you've lost some of that innocence, but you've got more of that as someone who's still naive about how the world works than you do as someone like him who's 27, 28 in real life and looks, to me, he looks like 10 years older than that. I don't, I don't think he embodies the role. And I think that's, that's kind of a key thing if you're going to cast somebody. Yeah, like going back to Perks, like, I mean, Logan Lerman, he was in his 20s when he played that role. So was Ezra Miller, so was Emma Watson, so was Mae Whitman, so was pretty much the entire cast. But they felt way more, I guess, like younger. And I feel like that's one of the things that this just doesn't have. It doesn't have youthful energy. And it's weird to say like, oh, it doesn't have youthful energy when you're talking about a serious story about someone who committed suicide and you know the lies that come with that but there there's 
a youthful innocence to perks that Logan Lerman and Ezra Miller and Emma Watson get across so well that the uh, that this film doesn't. And maybe, it, like we were saying, it does all come down to casting because Logan Lerman and Ben Platt play, in my opinion, very similar characters on the surface. Yeah. They are both socially awkward. They don't have a whole lot of friends and all this other stuff. But perks does it so much more i guess like realistic like he's not trembling 24 7 he's not constantly quivering he's not constantly you know shaking with his arm or anything like that and if there are people that are like that and this performance related to you then good for you i'm glad that the performance worked for you where it didn't work for us but for me personally it felt like so much of an over exaggeration where you don't have to do that. You don't have to do those things to show someone as being socially awkward, extremely socially awkward either. You can easily do someone just fumbling their words or someone being overly quiet, being on the outside, being on the outside, looking on the inside, being all the way on one side of... Like like when he's in, like when he's at that table, it's so weird because when he's sitting at that table by himself, I think to the beginning of Perks of Being a Wildfire, where Charlie is sitting at the table, reading a book, looking at the other groups, and he goes through all of them. He says, "Oh, this was my friend in middle school, but she got mean once. You know, she hit high school. This is my sister. She's a senior. I know her. She's my family, but she doesn't want to hang out with me and all this other stuff. And you feel sad for him, but you don't feel like he's a sad sack. You know what I mean?" Dear Evan Hansen tries to, and I'm really sorry if this comes off as offensive or anything like that. I genuinely am. I, I'm just saying, like, Dear Evan Hansen tries to portray Evan as a sad character rather than someone that you should feel sad for, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like I said, it feels like they're overcompensating, trying to make you sympathetic for him, and it just it didn't work for me. It sounds like it definitely didn't work for you either. Yeah. Kat, we've been talking for a long time. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I um, I will say, like, I think Andrew Barthfeldman would have been great in it. I, I do see what you mean. And like and like I said, I think part of the reason that it didn't phase me as much is because I was just like, ah, Ben Platt, I love you. So, like, as soon as he starts singing, I'm like, oh, it's happening. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he does not look the correct age. I, I know that Stephen Chbosky and Universal had told him we're only interested in making it with you, which on their part might not have been greatest choice if they wanted to have the characters like youthfulness and an experience be a part of what makes his journey a maybe understandable. I don't know the, what the right word is because like I don't think anybody totally like sides with everything he does, but give a bit more empathy or something to all the bad choices he makes. I totally get what you're saying about that i think i mean i kind of admitted when even going into the movie i was like this might be dumpster fire but it will be my dumpster fire <laughs> like i knew that there was going to be things that everybody else was going to be like this this and this and i'd be like you're totally right however i'm still in love with the show and like part of me part of me is like i don't care that he looks older i'm just I'm like i'm just on this show like part of the part of me that's like that's typically very criti critical about like they don't look this age or this and this and this, or they could have got this. Like, yeah, there's part, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, you're totally right. It should have been someone this age or something. The part of me is just like, whatever, I love Ben Platt. But so 
I totally get where everybody's coming from and how the fact that he looks so much older doesn't really help the story. It doesn't help the the idea of this person being so inexperienced that they're just that might give them a bit more maybe leeway to making some really big mistakes, like you were saying with perks. So I totally understand that. However, I will say I think there's one aspect that we all appreciated. At least me and Manny. I don't know if Nick picked up on it when he saw it, but I saw it and I was like, yes, the school mascot, the school team, or the Bobcats. Oh, I forgot about that. In the opening scene when they were in the gym, I was like, Bobcats. (laughs) I was like, Bobcat, yes. You could trademark yours if you wanted to. That's how cool cool your spelling is. Yeah. Exactly. Go listen to Bobcat music on YouTube. Yeah, we actually did a cover of Only Us because I was like, I, like, I was like, Bobby, I have to. I was like, this song means everything to me. I was like, we have to do this when Evan Hansen comes out. He's like, yeah, okay. He's like, yeah, I'll learn it. I'm like, I love this. And like, I will admit that doing that song, regardless of what people think of the show or whatever, doing that song made me very emotional. That was two weeks ago that we did that. And we did one since then. And then we have one coming out in a couple of days. It'll so. probably be out by the time this actually gets uploaded. Should I just say what it is? Sure, go ahead. So, we have a very lovely Discord uh, through Wingers, Patreon, patreon.com slash Wingers, or Amateur Hour Films on YouTube. Go check them out. They're hilarious if mm-hmm. you don't already know who they are. They're the reason we're all friends. Yeah. And the reason Bobcat exists. And very passionately suggesting some music I was not really aware of because it's not my usual genre. But Bobby loves the band, too. And so we are finally... <laughs> Don't expect any screaming from me. Oh, damn it. But uh, we are finally doing, um, we're doing Seize the Day by Avenged Sevenfold. You should have done Backcountry. A sentence I never thought I would say, <laughs> but here we are. I never thought I'd say I saw it. Dear Evan Hansen in theaters. There we go. But part of it, I mean, like, I, I was kind of thinking of like anybody who has suggestions in Discord, like if it's in our range, it's like, y'all, y'all are great. Giving Like actually like actively like watching our videos and showing support and giving us suggestions. So it's like if, any suggestions that y'all give, it's like, or at least going to go on our, on our on our Google Doc. I know one of our friends, Pete, on Discord. Hey, Pete. Um, Hi, Pete. He kind of, we'll say, encouraged me, saying that if I did Avenge Sevenfold, he would watch Hamilton. So how could I say no to that? And I was like, okay, Bobby, which one do you want to do? I'll learn it. <laughs> and then he had, yeah, he had the idea of Susan Day. And I was like, sure. And yeah, like I said, don't expect any screaming from me. There's just going to be some very high notes. It's just, I was, I was very much like, okay, how are we going to make this like a soft cover? Cause that's, I, that's all I know how to, I was like going from this somewhat screamy song to, to my voice. I was like, let's see how this works. But I think it turned out well, all things considered and hoping that the people that were passionately requesting it, enjoy it. And we have our own YouTube channel now, Bobcat Music. You do, you're big time. <laughs> Manny, we should get our own YouTube channel. Hint, hint. Oh, who knows? Maybe this will be on the new YouTube channel. Hmm. Um, yeah, you talk about only us, and I want to talk about uh, a couple more things. Uh, the relationship between Caitlin Deaver and Ben Platt does not feel realistic in any way, sense, shape, or the form. That sentence did not make any sense, <laughs> but the point is that I don't believe Caitlin Deaver and Ben Platt are romantically in love or anything like that. They have way more of a, this is my brother's friend relationship than this is someone that I want to, you know, kiss or anything like that. And that, it doesn't, 
help that the story is also kind of hinged on Caitlin Caitlin Deaver's character Zoe because the the note that Evan writes is you know like oh today's a bad day but it's okay because there's Zoe but I don't know her I don't you know haven't talked with her she probably mm-hmm. doesn't know me not any of the other stuff mm-hmm. and kind of his not like his motivation outright but he does stay in the family because he wants to get closer to Zoe and that song if I could tell her outside of context it's a cute song like if it was about a guy trying to open up to a girl that he likes and you know he's saying all these things that he notices about her cool but when it's a song from the perspective of a person's brother who committed suicide who we know throughout the film was abusive to the sister had issues not not that that makes him a bad character or anything like that but the words that they're saying do not align with that character and they're trying to speak as if the emotions that evan has were the emotions that honor has is just kind of gross to me like that's the line that you don't cross you don't cross a familial line like i've had plenty of friendships where as soon as someone says like oh i like your sister like all right cool we can't be friends that's just something that you can't do uh edge of 17 that's one of the main driving forces of that movie is that Haley steinfeld's best friend uh ends up getting together with Haley steinfeld's brother in that film and that's just a line that you don't cross and i feel like especially with someone who just lost their brother and you're trying to slide into the dms and trying to get to know them that just doesn't sit right with me and it also doesn't help that caitlin deaver is into all of it for the most part like in the stage show he kisses her and then like she pushes him away but in the movie she yeah but in the movie she leans in to kiss him like she's the initiator which i'm like i'm sorry but i just don't believe that that's how someone would act in that specific situation and like i said i don't think her and ben platt have romantic chemistry and i don't buy that by the time that they start singing only us that she genuinely feels that way it just feels like oh well here's how the plot's supposed to go now let's get to only us and it just doesn't work for me i mean at this point i kind of feel like i'm gonna keep saying things i said before all your opinions make sense maybe again like it doesn't justify how twisted the story ends up being i feel like maybe in the stage show they might have had some scene about like there's been some time in between scenes or because so- like because like in in the stage show like they they kiss at the end of you will be found and then only us is the second song when they get back so i'm not i can't remember if there's supposed to be a bit of a time gap so in that one it's more her saying like they've been together for a while and and like just kind of talking about their relationship so far, so I don't know if that changes anything. But just like I said before, um, everything you're saying totally makes sense as far as why it comes across the wrong way. And like I said, I, at this point, I've just kind of accepted that this is my dumpster fire. <laughs> I can totally see why people would be bothered by certain things. I fell in love with that song before I knew the whole story. I'm not sure if that would have changed my opinion or like also I've the show came out quite a while ago, so. I don't know if some of those things would have come across to me differently if I saw them now. I don't know. But it's just kind of the same statements I was making before is that I totally get all your issues with the show and with specific songs and with like Evan did this and Evan did this and they're with this and this isn't believable and it makes absolute sense what you said. 
and I don't necessarily have anything to defend that other than just that, like, well, when certain parts, it's still, for whatever reason, moved me. And that's really, <laughs> that's really all I, all I can, I guess all I can currently say on, on most of it is just that, like, it makes absolute sense why it made others feel like, like, as you were saying, like, gross or just, like, unbelievable or whatever. But I was just over here like, oh, they're doing this song. So... That's just kind of my opinion on most of it at this point. I'm just like, yeah, well, I loved it. So yeah. I respect your opinion, but this is how, but this is like, but this is me being like <gasps> my show. So it's just kind of, that's, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at at this point. It does kind of feel like with every new point that Manny or I make it, it it's, we're going in circles now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was Cat, kind of Cat's like, you're making, like you're making good away. points, but I still liked it. And I'm like, okay. And another thing that fucking sucked. And then you said, I'm making, you're making good points, but I still liked it. I mean, I feel like I was kind of honestly, I was kind of hoping that Bobcat would be the segue away from it. <laughs> you brought it back. I'm like, okay, we can keep talking about it. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, at this point, basically, any issues you have with the show are completely valid, and I totally get why it's bothering people, especially and it's bothering you too. And it's a very complicated thing, and I get why it's so divisive. And there's not anything that I necessarily wholeheartedly agree with. I might see different aspects from like how I felt when I saw it or how certain songs hit me a certain way. So I might just feel a little bit differently on a personal level, but there's not anything that I'm like, no, you're wrong. So I feel like any, any discussions we will have about it are just kind of in the same way of like, totally see where you're coming from. Still love it, but totally get why you were like disturbed by it. Yeah. And I guess one, one thing, I think we might've mentioned it on the last episode that is now unlost, uh, but I'll bring it up again. Uh, an issue I have with it, and this isn't as an adaptation necessarily, but translating from uh, the stage to on screen, I was curious, especially since it's a musical, how it would how it would feel aesthetically, and I was really disappointed in that regard because I feel like the especially the color palette's very drab pretty much throughout the whole movie. It doesn't have, like I said earlier, it doesn't have much energy to it. There doesn't feel like there's much life to it, whether it's the drab colors or the production design. It feels like there's just not a lot of style or flair to this movie. And I think that sort of detracts from it quite a bit. I don't know. Manny, you're kind of, I mean, you're, you're in film school. You kind of see things in, in the way that I do in that sense. Did you, did you feel the same way? I feel like this is one of those stories that I don't think it, I think it works better on a stage because of you being confined to specific areas. So you accept that things won't look the way like, not every set is going to be bombastic or anything like that. It's not going to be like Moulin Rouge or Chicago mm -hmm. or even Hamilton. It's not going to be like that. But you understand that the story itself is low scale. So being in a theater helps that out. And the way that they did it on the theater, in my oh. opinion, was better. They used technology and they used social media way more in the stage play. At least, like, at least at the end of Waving Through a Window. I just I loved the way they did that like right after his like will i ever make a sound i just i'm not saying it's fantastic just the whatever whatever they did it's like me also listening to harmonies like it could be very simple and i'm just like oh, what's happening yeah the lighting and the set dressing and all that stuff i think works better on a stage because you are limited and that's more believable that like oh this is probably what you would you know look like a house or this is probably the way that this song would you know work out you're on a stage you're not a film where you have endless possibilities about things that you can do whereas in the film so much of it is just modern bland 
I'm going to say it. It's just modern white people shit. Like, it's just <laughs> like, it's so like, I, I don't want to say that like you guys don't have like style or taste or anything we, we like don't. that. But like, when you think of, I'm when not you think arguing. of like, when you think of like white people, like, I don't know. Like when I think about white people, this is kind of like the movie that I think of. This is that version of high school that I never had. Like I didn't have lockers or cars and buses coming up at the same time. I didn't have that theater or that library or anything like that. That wasn't my high school experience. I never went to houses that looked like the Murphys and all I. that other stuff. <laughs> but like, this is just like that overly, I don't want to say like simplified, but like romanticized version of life. But it's just so dull. It all just falls hollow. It doesn't have any life or purpose or energy or something. It's just very gray it's very muted it's very low-key and you can have those things but you can still have an interesting direction to go with everything i'm gonna keep coming back to it because it's a fantastic film that everyone should go watch and i think is infinitely better than this piece of garbage film but perks of being a wallflower it's low-key it's low lighting it's you know kind of just your average looking film but so much of it has life, whether it's the characters, the costumes that they're wearing, the settings that they're in. They might be simple, but they all convey something that keeps your attention. And everything in this film could have been replaced with something else. And I wouldn't have noticed. I wouldn't have noticed because of how boring it was. Now, this looks like a Netflix movie that they uh, turned the desaturation on to minus 10. That's what it looks like to me, aesthetically. Pretty much the entire way through. And for the record, I grew up in a very white town, and uh, that, that was what our high school looked like. And there were a lot of people in my town in particular that had houses like that. I did not. That was all what I What did say. I tell you? <laughs> Some white people stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I think we all have made excellent points. I think we all have gone into detail about what we liked and didn't like, and these are important to us, and I think it's a perfect time to move on to another subject. That's fine. I think that's the last subject for the episode. Yeah. So we had a nice, lengthy discussion. Kat, I appreciate you, and we appreciate all you guys out there listening. We do really appreciate you. I don't want to say, like, oh, you know, if you're having a hard time, things will get better, because that's a personal thing that you work through that I don't feel... I can have a say in, but I want to let you know that you are loved by us. At least we do hope that whoever listens to this, it helps them in some way, shape or form. We don't want to try to take credit for any of that, but we do hope that we can at least bring a smile to your face at least once through this episode. You are loved. You are not alone. A little uh, mantra that helps me a lot that um, probably actress Sierra Baga says, just says like you are enough. You are so enough. It's unbelievable how enough you are. Whether you say that to your friends or you say that to yourself in the mirror, God knows I have. Just try to remember that as painful as the struggles can be, it does at some point get better and just you're stronger than you know and do your best to keep on fighting. If you're struggling, don't be afraid to reach out for help. People do want to help you. And yeah, just do 
you deserve you deserve everybody out there you you deserve to be happy and healthy i'll just leave it at that you deserve you deserve to be happy and healthy and i hope that if you are struggling with that right now that you find it soon yeah i i don't think i could say it any better than that you just yeah good job cat thank you thank you um thank you yeah <laughs> i've been working on it thank yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah everybody struggles in their own way some people unfortunately have it worse than others I like Manny said, I hope this show can help some people out there just be a little bit of entertainment, hopefully put a smile on your face, maybe make you chuckle. I think we're pretty funny. I think they stay for the giggles. <laughs> um yeah, I, I hope you know, I hope some people did find did find pauses out of this. Like like Kat you did, obviously. I hope other people did as well. Um yeah. I hope other art comes out or other art that has come out in the past. I hope that can help other people maybe in a deeper way than I think this movie this movie ended up exploring. I hope we get more art that discusses this in more detail because I think that can that can be helpful. You know, I don't think it's I don't think there's an easy solution out there of to reach out to people and that, you know, once you reach out to people or once you understand that you're not alone, that it's over. I don't think it's over at that point. There's a lot of work to be done. You know, it's not easy, but you just got to keep fighting. You got to keep getting through it and things will get better. I think if if you keep fighting, just one step at a time, keep moving forward. Yeah. If I have any say in the matter, we will have some some more inclusive, and well, we will have some some more. If I have any any say in the matter, we will have some more stories that that discuss these topics and make it a little bit less stigmatized. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And I'm with you guys. I'm glad that we could do this. I'm glad that we could have a nice civil discussion about this. This is something that is important to all of us. And like we said, you know, some of us, some people have it worse than others. Some of us can't. You know imagine what other people have to go through but we are trying and we do want to break that stigma of getting help being a bad thing if you do feel sometimes alone or you are feeling certain tendencies please do not be afraid to go and seek some help if it's confiding in your friend your family if it's confiding with a professional we recommend any of those things that will help you and before we go i do have a quote that i do want to say uh it's from steven chabosky perks of being a wallflower great Uh book great film i recommend (laughs) it entirely but uh the quote says so i guess we are who we are for a lot of reasons and maybe we'll never know most of them but even if we don't have the power to choose where we come from we can still choose where we go from there we can still do things and we can try to feel okay about them and that's pretty much where i want to leave it is that there are a lot of things there are a lot of situations that people will come from um, but trying some of the things that might, you know, make you feel a little bit better. That's, in my opinion, that's one good step. I think if you, I think accepting the little things, if you are, you know, dealing with heavy depression or anxiety or anything like that, the small things mean so much in the long run. There have been plenty of times where I've been like, all right, I went out of my room today. That's enough. Those yeah. small things end up being a lot in the long run. So little victories. I just want to okay. people know, yeah, the little victories. It's okay not to be okay. You're you're allowed to have days where you, you're just your achievement is that you got through a day, and that's okay. Yeah, and that is perfectly okay. Yeah. So that's going to be it for this week's episode of Nick and Manny's Infinite Podcast, ending on a little bit of a serious note but we want to thank you guys all for listening you can find nick reeves 117 twitter and linkedin (laughs) cat not on linkedin you can find her over at music 
What? <laughs> you said LinkedIn. Did you mean to say Letterboxd? <laughs> I, say like, I mean Letterboxd. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Reuse underscore 117. That, you can oh, find Cat yeah. over at Bogcat Music and wherever else that she feels like sharing. Um, I am on Twitter at Cattastrophe with the underscores between the cat and Atastrophe and the underscore at the end. All of the links will be down in the description. Mm-hmm. So make sure you check that description. There will be links in there to all of our socials and whatever else we might put in there. And you can find me, Twitter, Star Wars Nerd 9. Yeah, don't forget uh, me. Letterboxd, yeah. Letterbox, I believe it's just my name. So Emmanuel Fuentes, I think all one word. Um, but I can't remember. And so that's pretty much it. Thank we you should, guys for listening. Hmm, we we'll should get better at this plugging. We really should be better at this by now. <laughs> I meant, I meant to have I meant no. to have all the links on hand, but alas. Uh, no, you good. Yeah, we're we're pros. We're total pros. We are the best at this. Uh-huh. But thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Thank Bye. you, everybody. Bye.